3: All right, uh, welcome back to Granada Men and Motors, um, the best channel for, for men, remember fun memories of it, yeah. <laughs> <Do you? laughs> Not just for men, Dave. Bravo. For, for teenage um, boys. That was another one, wasn't it? Television X, I don't know, why are we talking about this? I can't remember. I wanted to just mention at the top of the show that, uh, I, got, <laughs> I won't say what it's for, but uh, I was sent this email there just before the show commenced, and it was like, Someone, like, sending me screeners for something to watch before it comes out for everyone else. Yes, know? yes. It's the privileges of being a journalist. Um, but I was just really kind of taken by the, the language in this email. Because um, it says, like, uh, you know, yada, 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 you know, embargo, blah, 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 blah. And then it has a line here where it says, the rules of engagement are as follows. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, Saucy. What is that language? Like, fucking Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> Snake. The rules of engagement as you choose to watch this villain. <laughs> like, what the fuck? I, I can't reply to that email. So can't. I can't. No, I can't do it now. Delete. You are allowed to keep it special for the fans. Okay, thanks. It's special <laughs> for the fans. Uh, well, we should keep this show yeah, special for the fans. That's going to be my mantra for the rest of the show. Keep it special for the fans. He's wearing glasses, everybody. As are you. Yeah, but I always wear glasses. And Adam. Yeah, he also mostly wears glasses all the time right he came in the door and and (laughs) Uh,
1: okay Um, that was quick was that right yeah Yeah, he came
3: in the door and adam said oh look
1: look at this it's clark kent over here (laughs) how do you feel about that um superman is not my fave to be quite honest but But he's dashing he is dashing he's a bit vanilla yeah (laughs) all right well um this one's for thomas
3: tuchel let's go Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Uh, Thomas Ducal of course, tragically sacked by Chelsea at the start of the day. This isn't a football podcast. It'll be, It'll be all right. Get <laughs> <freak that> over <laughs> I would love to be fired and be paid
1: millions. I know. Yeah. Like, what is this thing about? Oh, it's brutal. Brutal I stuff out I can there. never stand when you get a Gary Neville or something being like, I will never ask for a manager to be sacked and get their five million payouts. So yeah. they immediately walk into another job. Oh, man. Anyway, look, that's uh, that's no
3: football. So this is no encore. And uh, there will be no football chat further on this one. It's a music podcast. My name is Dave Hanratty there will be no encore Craig Fitzpatrick is here <laughs> yes I'm here hello Dave hey man
1: we've been doing this for five years <laughs> yeah well I tried to give you a, I tried to give you a hug earlier on and you put out your hand for a weird limp we've never
3: successfully handshake hunt. and I was like I've known you for 12
1: yeah. or 11 years is that, uh, is that true we've never we've always messed up those greetings yeah, I think
3: we're just not those kind of people whereas Cullum for example used to co-host a show with us you'll, you'll never get a better hug in your
1: life well that's hand true. slap I'm good with the hug you get the, the hand slap an and like it echoes like, and then <laughs> what? <laughs> Just the greeting part. Well, once the embrace is happening, you know, it's a whole different story. As well, you know. I love a good hug. I'm a hugger, you know. Adam, are we all? Yeah hugging is important affection is important man it is I agree it's important to me in these almost post-covid times these tough times <laughs> Where
3: am um, I and maybe a hug at night time would be um, a new BBC show <laughs> 12
0: o'clock really? BBC
3: welcome, welcome back to the Channel 4 to be uh, a, bit, a bit men and motors if you ask me uh, top five songs about the night is what we're recording yes. Recording what we're doing this week on the
1: show because we thought we were doing a late recording turns out cross we're not crosswires yeah <laughs> top five crosswires um, yeah, we. I initially thought we we're going to be doing this over Zoom at like half nine at night. Mm-hmm. So my two top five suggestions to you were um, nighttime songs or like songs wh- about running out of time, <laughs> no time. <laughs> And you didn't mention how odds they well were because you didn't... You, you thought we were just doing this recording. I thought it we was were... an
3: inspired choice, yeah. I said top five songs uh, with the night sounds usual. good to me. And then I realised, oh, wait a minute. Does Craig know that we're recording at the usual time? This is boring admin stuff. Nobody wants to hear this. Uh,
1: half the show is boring admin stuff. It's a mean it, thing
3: it? to say.
4: Stop, stop
1: underselling the no. <laughs> show. There's no <laughs> yeah.
4: need for
3: that. Uh, patreon.com
1: uh, forward slash no encore. It is
3: patreon.com forward slash no encore if you want to help support the show. Um, obviously, you know, all we really ask of you to do, demand rather, is tell people about the show's existence and recognize. Recommend it to a friend because you know it's fun to listen to, and I know I love a good podcast. Who doesn't? Uh, but here's the thing: if you want to go the extra mile, Patreon.com/slash/no encore. Price of a bucket of popcorn, you know, by all means, go yes, for yes. it, and uh, we'd really appreciate that. But also, what we could appreciate as well in the world is brand new Irish music. Uh, I should note that as of this podcast being out in the world, uh, two friends of the show have released new music into the wild. First up, in single form, yes. you can listen to this one quicker seven than inch. the new one. Uh, no, I, I don't think it's available as a seven inch. Uh, Carlo Malocco, the great Carlo Malocco, yes. uh, has released a new song. It's called Ignite. It's great. It is great. Carlo is very good at music and you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram. Carlo Malacco. that's a uh, uh, how do we pronounce? I, I, I can. Like, I've known Carlo for years. This is like me not being able. Oh, to well, I, I just know him by his stage name, which is Doctor
1: Magicoco. Doctor Magicoco, yeah. yeah.
3: So it's Carlo Malacco. It's M A G L I O C C O.
0: That's right.
1: it. Exactly. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Oh, it's also his birthday, I believe, coming up. So um, it is. Happy birthday to him. Happy birthday um, to him. Yeah, all the new material sounding great. Uh, lovely production yeah. choices on it. Yeah, he's got. Go he's go got music a- coming.
3: Check it out, Carlo Malacco. Um, but also, don't stop there. You know. Because a uh, former co-host of this show, not Cullen Regan. Imagine Cullen releasing <laughs> Still waiting for today. <laughs> Debut album from C-Dog. No, instead we're looking at the third album from a certain Dottie O'Droni. Oh, D-Dog. Yeah, <laughs> the D-Dog. Very excited. Yeah, it's called D-Dog Bites Back. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. Uh, it's called I'm Here Now. It's kind of
1: his catchphrase in life, isn't it? I'm here now. Yeah, the party can start. He's outside,
3: like honking a car horn, like the Venom gift that I yeah. love. Uh, I'm here now, and it's here now, listener. Uh, we will, of course, be recovering from the album launch with the Hoi Paloy of Dublin, which is taking place after we record this, but before you listen to it. So, wait, does that make sense? I don't know. Point is, it's Dahi's new album. It's great. Um, it's under ten tracks, so automatically it's it. oh my god, love it. Ten out ten of ten yeah, in my heart. Dave
4: immediately gives it of five stars. Oh,
3: stunning. I can't though because I worked on it in the sense that I wrote the press release
1: <laughs> I didn't <laughs> make any of the music
3: um,
1: and added some flute yeah
3: it is great though and I'm in that awkward position now where I'm like oh he's my mate you know he's our boy but it really is a, fa- a fantastic yeah, record It's a great record yeah. um, and you know he's worked really really hard on it There's a ton of empathy all over it it's really really good the mix of guests is really interesting Alvarez on there David Tapley of Tandem Felix Neil Dexter formerly of Spies now very much making his own music he's got an album Tremendous coming out music, soon music yeah really good and, stuff and uh, Uli well. who I know you're yeah, very Uli, familiar with of course yeah,
4: features on the latest single I believe
3: and essentially there's a bunch of instrumentals as well as you might expect but it's just it's tremendous stuff Uh, it it, it veers from the skyscraping into the into the solemn there's some beautiful beautiful introspection here Um, and a lot of songs I found quite emotional over the course of this year and it's great I'm just I'm, I'm really really proud of them we can hopefully get him on the show soon. I know he's been having a very busy, busy time of it lately, and, we got uh, we'll
4: get him. We'll get our boy. Once we'll the season's over now, so <laughs> yeah. he's no excuses.
3: For it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's a busy boy. Uh, so Dahi new album, Carlo Malacco, new single. Please go check those out. So um, you know, get off my case, lads. No, they didn't ask me to plug this at all. <laughs> I'm just doing so because they're 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 our friends. But the music is also great. So uh, take it from me enjoy that and uh, patreon.com slash no encore if you want to go the extra mile and support no encore uh, Craig you ready to go into the news or do you want to say before we get going um, we got some um, listener feedback or
1: I did is this about, about the
3: quiz again sorry I should know <laughs> real quick about the quiz I fucking, I tuned in to the Nine, Nine podcast you know just to see would it get a mention and yeah, it did right it did get a mention Yeah, we got a mention yeah but I have to say I'm not impressed because neither questioned my I know quiz was really, I was going to come. yeah he basically you know, was like I, uh, Andrea said that I, you know, a very tough quiz master. Yes, I am. We know this. Tough but fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Niall said very tough on the answers. Felt that I, the, the word Listen, robbed, the word robbed was thrown out there. How do you feel? Do you feel like like like, like stolen valor here? I mean, like what do you? I think Degrassi gates
4: just grown legs.
1: Yeah, it's all about the Degrassi, isn't it? It'll just remain a source of controversy. It's like the fire of quizzes. Yeah, and. Already kind of bored with it because it was a clear winner. Yeah, Um, we we move on. And there there are already had success in every field you've entered except for quizzing against me. There are and there are challenges (laughs) waiting in the wings. So,
3: back of the line, Powell.
1: What you got? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, this is to do with last week's news section. Um, there was a bit of um controversy. Um, it wasn't to do with the Arcade Forest stuff It was to do with Young Gravy oh, I yeah. saw this feedback <laughs> <laughs> There was two bits of feedback I'll go, Do you want positive or negative first? I, I want it all Okay, Positive or negative first? Not uh, <laughs> let's, go, let's finish on a high Craig Go negative first okay, um, go This is the one I saw Cobina, of the show. <laughs> Doesn't sound like Cobina <laughs> Tweeted at me today I hate how long that Young Gravy section is on the show at Craig's Lane, And I hate that I listen to it all He said it was the most anxious he's been in a while so kind of felt the same Dave did you as it was going on it just seemed to I think I nailed the mood when I turned around halfway through and I said I don't
3: care about this story
1: (laughs) but it was fun to listen to Don't care about Young Gravy and Sherry Easterling's nascent romance Sorry no Well from Linda another friend of the show um, she shouted me to say Craig just listen to your frankly epic all caps telling of the tale of Young Gravy and Sherry Easterling I think the world needs an encore spin off where you keep the over 30s up to date on the never ending cycle of vaguely music Related scandal, and she even has a name on Quorum Four. Oh, that's good. Works, not it? We should do it for that. It's very good, but I
3: should say this is just we'll a. On the this is you just putting yourself over as like you're starting as like a side
1: project here in front of me. <laughs> I mean, all we I can imagine Colin delivering her right now. I think that might have to become at least something in the realms of a Kiss corner. Sure, I mean, or w- a Ben Bong. I'll let Spoiler
3: you. Alert. I'll let you work on it. Yeah, we, get we get to the news. We get to the news. Yeah, let's get. Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah, go on. News. <laughs> Hey, you heard about the good news? So, in an awkward news update, I suppose, because we recorded last week, uh, just brief Arcade Fire stuff. I mean, at this stage, yeah. it is old news, but, you know, it's still worth finishing this, closing the loop on it, I suppose, because we recorded before the show. Um, and, of course, that night, uh, keeping an eye on Twitter, like, the two Arcade Fire shows happened in Dublin. A lot of people went. Um, I The second night didn't really get a lot of play, really. People no. were kind of over it by then. Um, I didn't go, Um a lot of people did and I saw people people who I know, I saw like a bunch of Instagram stories here and there and some tweets and I was kinda of surprised. But like I'm not here to judge anybody. I had this conversation with um with Kieran McGuinness on Radio Nova at the weekend in which he asked me to chat about it. And it was really funny because he put out a tweet saying, Coming up on the show later on, we've got this, this, this and this and also one of them was like, Dave Hanradie talks about separating the art from the artist and I was like, What the fuck? I was like I said like Andrew Tate or something. <laughs> I was just like, No thanks. But we actually had a very interesting conversation about it. Um, well, I think it was. But, like, yeah, I, I find myself... There's one thing with regards to the participation of people going to the show. Because, you know, I read the Irish Times, Vox Pops. I read the Guardian on the Ground piece, all of which was were really interesting. And I almost wish I did something of that nature. But, you know, I didn't. However, I do find it a bit jarring in in the case of people who went to that show... And tweeted their discomfort from the show that they were attending as a punter, you know? Like, there was a lot of people who thought they were citizen journalists all of a sudden, I think.
1: And I just found it to be a little bit, like, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's not kind of human nature, though. It's like, big news story, you're kind of in the middle of it, or, you know... But there was just, just lots
3: little... of, you know, oh, I'm so disheartened to tell you, friends, that there are, in fact, people at the show. Yeah, well, guess what? You're one of them.
1: Yeah, I'd give people a pass on that one, just because I felt like there was a lot of... um uh, people on the fence about like whether or not to go and like expensive tickets that they got ages ago and we you know we talked last take week take the about fucking how hit we wouldn't have gone um, on the money I thing know people that went as well and they were like on the money
3: oh. thing though like don't I'm sorry but don't use the money as a justification like you went because you wanted to go I like fuck that. I mean, ultimately, fine. And I'm not like this. Isn't me being high and mighty. This isn't me like judging you. How, even my tone there. I just think that's. I I just think that's a bit. It's a bit flimsy. It's a bit paper thin. It's like, uh, you know, I I paid the money. Blah 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 blah. It's like, well, you, but you you knew, and you clearly aren't comfortable with it. So what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. What did you expect differently? You know, like like why did you need confirmation in the
1: flesh? That oh yeah actually no I don't feel good about this. Did you really need that? Because maybe people were thinking, you know, maybe I can separate the art from the artist and there's other people on stage. And I don't know when it's it's the day itself. And there were so many people that literally heard it as breaking news that day. I just, I can understand why some people that maybe weren't fully up to speed might've felt like, I'll just go along and see how I feel. And then suddenly you're tweeting. I, just, I do take your point in terms of my approach would have been and kind of is now that their music is spoiled for me. And just as a show of, like, I don't know. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have necessarily been going. Um, I might have been going to see Feist and then leave straight after or do some booing or something. Somebody that might be fun. would have been good. And, like, fair enough. And, again,
3: look, again, like, despite what I'm saying, I'm not... I don't have a bald fist here. I'm not like, how fucking dare you? You went, you went. People go to problematic art. In fact, spoiler for my top five, I've got a prob- a problematic artist in there. I nearly included one. I was like, yeah. it's probably that one, but we'll see <laughs> when we get there. So like, you know, hypocrite me. Sure, I probably am. You know, like, I mean, like, and I, you know, I still listen to people that may or may not be, whatever. Um, And in some cases I don't. But that's the whole thing about the, you know, the, the phrase I kept using on Nova the other day was, it's up to you to kind of, I can't, I can't decide your level of involvement. It's up to you to have decide what level of participation you want to have with a, a, a thing, a, a problematic thing or whatever. But like this was very fresh and I saw people who had the knowledge and would be, you know, morally affronted by what was happening and they still went. And I just find that curious. And I don't Do think really buy this thing of, well, I'm doing a public service now that I feel disconnected by. You know, I'm sorry, you're not a fucking journalist. Do you think there was an element you of? If dress up um, there,
1: you're a fucking tourist. Do you think there was an element of like slowing down to watch a car crash, that kind of thing? Of like Maybe. morbid curiosity well, of like, hey, is this going to be? I'm probably. I, I guess I'm guilty of that from
3: afar by doing so on Twitter by searching the the hashtag or looking. Up we were whatever. all
1: looking at it, and it was kind it was of fascinating, surreal seeing yeah. the
3: clips of just the show going ahead. And people they opened with wake along. up, yeah, which was like okay, <laughs> like and every and most of the, of the arena like screaming it and like you know that song, but like it's just. No, I don't know. I mean, like, I just found it a bit of a tonal, like a cognitive dissonance thing. I just found it like I don't know. I don't think you can be really like you know uh, finger wagging about the thing that you're participating in with the knowledge that you had. I'm not saying don't go. I'm not saying if you walk into that building, you know, you 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 should burst into flames like a fucking vampire in the sun. And there could very well be people listening to the show right now who went, and maybe I'm making them feel bad and that's not what I'm trying to do. I just find it a little bit strange that there was that kind of duality for people in the moment. And again, maybe it's easier for me to say that because if I had have gone, I certainly would have would have had the you know, the the press hat on. Yeah. I'm here to do journalism. And in fairness, it was journalistic. Irish outlets did a good job international outlets did a good job in terms of reporting what happened and we want to know what happened but I don't know it just didn't say right with me um, and it didn't say right with Feist obviously because yeah, Feist left the tour I mean in that position <laughs> so Feist is left well, she's no longer in that position because she left the tour uh, which emerged on the Thursday she did the two shows one would assume that she was contractually obligated to a point where maybe she couldn't have gotten out of it um, she put out a statement on Thursday it's quite long I'll read the main points of it Um, she noted that she was at a pub in Dublin after rehearsing with the band and she read the same headline that everyone did. We didn't have any time to prepare for what was coming, let alone a chance to decide on to fly across the ocean into the belly of the situation. She said it was incredibly difficult for her. as I had a conversation that was much bigger than her, bigger than her songs and bigger than any rock and roll tour. Um, she received dozens of messages from people. She was obviously very overwhelmed. Uh, she said, to stay on tour would symbolise that I was either defending or ignoring the harm caused by Win Butler, and to leave would imply I was judge and jury. I was never here to stand for or with the arcade fire. I was here to stand on my own two feet, on a stage, a place I've grown to feel I belong, and I've earned as my own. Um, which I think is the crux of it, really, but she does go on to say, like, you know, I can't continue in this in this vein, and... You know I'm imperfect. I will navigate the decision imperfectly. Um, you know I'm claiming my responsibility and I'm going home. I th- yeah, it was long. I, th- I, I thought it her. was the best possible statement she could have made in that moment. Um, and again, I don't know what the what the fiscal knock on effect will be for her. For, like I, I don't know what a touring artist makes. Whether it's you know you get a flat fee, you get a per diem, you get merch. Uh, but it's a big tour. It's right yeah. in front of a lot of people. It's a big opportunity for any artist to be there. And you know you have to applaud that. You have to applaud the, you know, whatever. I'll, you know, struggle to make rent. I don't know. I don't know what, what, what les- I hope she gets some sort of bump in terms yeah. of people supporting her a bit? I mean, of- it's, it's a. It, the whole thing is murky as fuck. It's continuing
1: on. The tour continues. It I did just read a statement from the band in response. D- uh, it, to was that. it was very short, and yeah, I've just pulled it up yeah. there. Uh, we're very sorry to see Leslie go home, but completely understand and respect her decision. There you like, go. Geez. Yeah, yeah. If I mean, you understand I, and respect that. What is why is this tour going on? I don't know what else we can really
3: add to the conversation at this point, especially because yeah. it has moved on by like at least a week before we even get into it now, uh, or even over a week rather. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I, I myself don't mean to sound judge and jury because, like, again, to go back to the conversation I had with Kieran the other day. You know, we were both making the point that like it's not about being more mor- morally pure than another person. It's about what actions you decide to take. I'm sure I, I, I am guilty of supporting the art of people who you know, like there's definitely things you could point to in my life where it's like, Well, hey look, Dave. But I was I, enjoying I, M- I just Miles found Davis
1: this afternoon. He was not a good dude. <laughs> I, <you> just,
3: know? <laughs> I just found the decision to physically go to that gig and I just thought I thought some of the justifications that I saw were a little bit um they didn't wash with me, that's all. Yeah.
1: I mean, you know, people will justify things on social media and put themselves in certain roles and oops, a quote I saw recently where it's just like when you are you have an account on social media, you are suddenly cast as like the benevolent hero of every situation you're in. So people just take that on. Um, which I think is fair, so yeah, I totally take your point. It's, it's just awkward. The whole thing was bloody awkward.
3: Yeah. Well, look, listen. We'll get to um, electric picnic soon. Yeah. Craig, you weren't there. No, I wasn't it's... there. Adam Shanahan was, but we'll we'll, we'll hold, hold your horses, pal. You're, tease. you're teasing me now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to talk about something else first, okay? Because we're going from one um, newsworthy set of shows, but in a bad way. We're going from that to something that came from a tragedy, but resulted in quite the, uh, quite the evening on Saturday. The Taylor Hawkins Tribute Show, the first one of two, took place last Saturday uh, in Wembley Stadium in the UK. It was over six hours long. Um, there's yeah. another one coming in, in Los Angeles. Foo Fighters, of course, chairing all of this and kind of putting it up. Uh, it's like I, a mini
1: live aid. It like was insane, <laughs> yeah.
3: Cavalcade of special guests from Liam Gallagher to Queen, Metallica, Stuart Copeland, Justin Hawkins, Wolfgang, Wolf, Wolfgang van Van Halen. Why is that hard to say? Wolfgang uh, Van Halen, yeah, it is. Yeah. Elton John via big screen. Josh Homme, John Paul Jones, Nile Rogers, Paul McCartney, Chrissy Hind, They're all there. And obviously, it was very emotional. I did not watch all six hours of this, but I did watch some of the highlights. Four hours? <laughs> no, I don't know. I watched select, selected moments in it. Um, I um I. This is another kind of slightly, I, I think, conflicting one, which we can get to in a moment. But for now, what I will say is, I think the big headlines coming out of it, apart from, it, it's making a lot of money for Music Cares and yeah, other kind great. of charitable outlets, I believe. Uh, It was very well attended. The Foo Fighters put on a hell of a show. Like you say, it was like a mini Live Aid. I mean, it's a hell of a thing to assemble this massive amount of internationally renowned, legendary talent. um, You know, for I say this with zero disrespect, the departure drummer of a rock band. I mean, it it, Mm. it shows you the respect that is obviously out there for Taylor Hawkins and for Dave Grohl. He was a huge character as well as well as Dave. Yeah, yeah. but like, um, I think that. The other kind of big headline moments where Dave Grohl kind of almost breaking down during a performance of times like these, uh, which I've seen I've seen interesting reaction to. I've seen a lot of people say, like, this is devastating and oh my God. And I've seen some people... Not cynics, Dave. do sounds say like cynics. I've seen some cynics saying, like, this was really, like, you know, staged and curated and... I don't know uh, I mean I like that's... I don't think so personally no. I think this man has lost two of his best friends in life and it must be very very difficult it's tragic and also I can know, understand as as, though because to be fair how often do we
1: rag on Grohl uh, as much as we rag on him and do the whole kind of you know tongue in cheek nice guy in rock because he is a showman um, I would imagine in his situation if he's just rattling around his mansion or whatever trying to process the loss of his friend to another yeah, friend yeah. But what, what, what does he know how to do that he could start to process it go yeah. and fucking put on a show it's yeah, totally
3: Normally, of, do of it, course yeah. of course but also I should you know just to give the benefit of the doubt or the kind of the full context for other people I mean like I can understand taking against it in a sense because obviously you know there is a bigger conversation to be had here about musicians and exhaustion and all this stuff and if there's if there's even a shred of truth in that Rolling Stone report that emerged after Taylor Hawkins died in which people like Matt Cameron and Chad Smith were quoted as saying, Taylor said to us, I'm fucking exhausted and I I'm, yeah. and I need to quit this band and the pressure is so hard. And if there is any truth in that whatsoever, and there probably is, I would speculate, well, then we need to look at that and we need to say, well, like, this is a hell of an event and everyone's heart is beating, but one person's heart isn't beating and thus, is it not a little bit fucked up that it's happening at all? Do you know what I mean? Like, is there, any, is there anything in the fact that you, like, you should point to the situation and say, there's a, there's a weird juxtaposition here and it's it maybe could have been avoided. I don't know. I'm no fucking doctor. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But I do find it a lit... I, I can understand why somebody would look at that scene and be a little bit put off by it because maybe they haven't accepted the fact that he died and the fact that maybe it came from a place of...
1: Has there been any?
3: Has there been any um medical? No, there hasn't. Like like a toxicology report, like had a, a lot of kind of substances in his system, etc. But nothing has been defined as this is what happened and why. But there was a detailed Rolling Stone report that some people have dismissed outright and said is trash journalism. I mean, I don't
1: know like, if it is or if it isn't. Have there been people in any way within his orbit that well, Chad as, Smith and Matt Cameron? who No, later, but not about not about the kind of uh, how stressed he was prior to his passing, but about this. Has anyone not gone to the gig because they felt like this was important? Not I'm aware or, of no, so and some as a social media.
3: And as a, well, I mean, so well, I mean, like, again, if you if you take the accounts of uh, Chad Smith and Matt Cameron, then they later retracted those because they felt that they had upset the family. But if they said that, if there's it, like if, if 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 it's a fact that Taylor Hawkins said to his friends. I'm fucked. Yeah. And the pressure's too much. And I don't know if Grohl was directly implicated, but you would assume as band leader, maybe. I don't know. I don't want to say that. But if that is a thing, I don't like that being brushed under the carpet. Now, at the same time, yes, absolutely.
1: Would, would that not be a commonplace conversation for touring musicians? Because touring is, Probably. I would imagine, extremely grueling yeah, no matter so, what you yeah. do. Yeah. But like, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe he was just venting. We don't, we don't yeah. know.
3: And, I, and like, I'm not, again, much like the Arcade Fire thing, like, I, I feel like. I feel like I've almost come into this podcast and, and like, I haven't. I mean, like, I'm finding myself now as I'm talking sounding a lot more, like, didactic than I want to. And, like, to be fair, the other side of the coin, you know, for example, like, Trent Reznor, for example, like, you know, was nice now playing a gig over the weekend there. And he addressed the crowd and said, did anybody see that tribute show? I sat down to watch a couple of minutes of it and I ended up watching it for three hours and I was crying and it was beautiful. He's such a beautiful guy. I mean, like, I'm not looking to like turn a screw here all I'm saying is I can understand that if somebody was just not wanting to accept it because it's it like it's the most incredible funeral you've ever seen yeah but should we be seeing it I don't know what I will say in the same breath again hypocrite Dave I will say the big the biggest headline for me and for a lot of people was the performance of My Hero by the band yeah in which Taylor Hawkins 16 year old son Shane Got behind the drums and made a hell of a racket. Yeah. It was fucking incredible. And let's have a quick listen to what that sounds like. <laughs> A genuinely incredible moment, and even like I think, even in audio, you could like the sound of those drums, the sound of that crowd, the sound of people singing along. Thank
1: to you for getting through it. Like, imagine the emotion
3: around. he fucking nailed it. And like, I like it's amazing how, like, I don't know. I he's 16 years of age, mm. and one of the comments on the YouTube comments, always reliable YouTube comments, was like someone saying, Go to Brazil uh, No, <laughs> thankfully not. Although, I'm sure there was one yeah, in there, probably was one there yeah. but like, no, it was a guy saying, Um. Sixteen-year-old kid playing with all the rage of, or play, playing with all the rage of a sixteen-year-old kid who, who who lost his father. You know, beautiful and heartbreaking, um, and it was. And I watched the clip yesterday in work, having seen bits of it or seen it in passing, and people sharing it on social media, not really kind of tuned into it. And I watched it yesterday in work when I was already kind of feeling a bit rough, and I yeah, like I cried. I thought it was really really sad, um, and I I wish I had a a fraction of the grace that this kid had about dealing with this loss because I I couldn't possibly imagine doing this. I couldn't imagine him... I couldn't imagine doing this in a room full of 10 people yeah. he did it at a fucking Wembley stadium
1: maybe it helps being
3: 16 year olds <laughs> yeah. possibly and he, he was incredible like he played so well
4: and exactly like Taylor yeah I mean he I bet the, be, he, I could not believe it he
3: bet the fuck out of those drums yeah. and it was beautiful and he played with a smile on his face and he looked determined and the band got, guided him through it the crowd guided him through it it was a, a lovely moment you saw him go backstage I will say there was a, <laughs> well I think the top comment on YouTube was like food Flyers have found their new drummer. Shut up. Like, yeah, like yeah, I mean yeah. maybe, they, the other maybe they have. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe like in two years time he will. I don't know. I just I I do I I have this I have this thing with this where I, I just I don't think enough people maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think enough people are kind of talking about the tragedy of this. Again, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not I'm not looking to piss on a celebration.
1: Well, I mean, because it created so, moments like that. So, yeah, the but like, of, of it not happening uh, just so people can not feel cynical. People who don't particularly. Like, T- Taylor did seem like the kind of person who would have, if there was such a thing as, of he- like, be looking at this being like, that's fucking awesome. He loved rock and roll. He yeah. Loved, yeah, but, yeah. You know. Yeah. So, I don't know. I totally take your point, though. It, it, the minute I saw, like, the details of it happening, I was a bit like, I think we probably all were like, oh, that's, you know, there's just that thing of just. Anything happening so quickly? But um, I mean, honestly, like any clips I saw, dismissed all that.
3: Yeah, is... and, and like I, like
1: I, I really don't
3: like. I feel like I'm just being such a weird, fucking, contradictory prick on this episode. But like, I just, I just found like I, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's a really difficult thing. And I'm not even not to do that thing that people do. But I was never been the biggest fan. Like, like I'm not devastated. Like, I think it's really sad. But yeah. like, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I just, I don't know. There's just something about it that is it's weird like it's a weird fucking thing it's an amazing thing mm. and you're right you're you're dead right i'm sure if in this fanciful Ex- afterlife that we want to exist, but probably fucking doesn't. Maybe it does uh, The Star Wars ghost of Taylor Hawkins is looking down, <laughs> you know, about to have, like, the, the most insane jam session I've of all time. I've become
1: more powerful than <laughs> Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah about, about to rock out with, like, you know, like, uh, all all the greats and create, like, the most insane sounding thing you've ever heard. Um, and like, I hope that kid's okay. Um, I I watched that clip, and I and I, I couldn't I couldn't help it. Like, as many others did, it was really, really... It was at once tragic and beautiful and life-affirming and devastating. And the look on that kid's face when he was playing those drums. First of all, I will say, God damn, I wish I was ever that good a drummer. Like, that fucking fucking blew me away. Jesus Christ, how's he doing it? How's he, how's he doing it? How's he holding it together and playing so well and, and honoring his father in such an incredible fucking way? Yeah, I I, I was in awe of him. And... I don't know. I, I don't know what my sentiment here is. I mean, I read the Variety, there's a Variety report that like, you know, reviewed the gig and... Even reviewing it's the It's just gig a strange is, yeah. thing, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, why am I, why am I so conflicted by this?
1: You tell me. Um, because it's a complete, because it's a conflicting thing. There's, it's, it's not similar to the previous story, but in ways it is. There's just different ways you can take it. And people are complex beings, you know? Um, I think that's my big takeaway from this episode. People are complex beings. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't really have much more time. I do understand some of the reservations, but anything I've seen from it seems like it was a wholly positive thing and everyone close to him seemed to be very much on board. So that's good enough for me. It's nothing to do with me. Um, If I, you know, had an issue with it across the fucking Atlantic Ocean... Who cares? It's of course, really yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Well, listen, um, Adam's been
3: uh, re- incredibly stoic during it, listening, to the, listening to me rant away here. You obviously will get to where you were at the weekend, but we've talked before. Big Foo Fighters guy. Yeah.
4: yeah. Big Taylor um, Hawkins
3: guy. Have you seen any of this footage? What do you think of the conversation we're having? What do you think of the whole thing?
4: I saw the clip of Shane playing my hero. It was... I was like uh, glued to it, but I was so close to like having to turn it off at times. Mm. It just, it was so, I don't know. It was uncanny. It just made it feel too real and like, I haven't really thought about it much since Taylor's passing. I remember, like, I remember where it was when I found out. It was like, where were you when Michael Jackson died? You know, it was like that Mm. kind of thing. Um, But yeah, I haven't watched anything other than that. I don't think I can yet. Yeah. Um, I know that my friends haven't, because I don't think they can yet, because it's like a real communal thing, like the whole the whole Foo Fires thing, like, I will say I like maybe two to three albums, like, start to finish, I think are incredible albums, and I can kind of put my sentimental hat aside when I, you know, I'm saying that because, like, obviously I have relationship with Foo Fighters that's intrinsically linked to like life experiences with my friends and yeah. with my friends who I still see once a week or, you know, are people who I've been the groomsman at their wedding and you know, stuff like that. It's it's like it there's no denying that it's intrinsically linked, but if I take that hat off, I you know, I will say there's like it's a lot of fluff in there and whatever. But it's not I I don't necessarily think that this is about the music at this juncture, when you're talking about this, you know, when you're talking about the, the tribute, and, I think, while there was like, so much obviously that came out afterwards, you were saying about like, Chad Smith's comments and stuff, and, it, it's hard to like, cast that aside, but I think, the main thing is, first of all, if the family's happy enough with it, let it happen, and it's just kind of like, that's okay, that's okay then, you know, um, obviously it's hard, when the information is you can't take it back no matter like whether you've mm-hmm. retracted a statement or not you can't take it back but if the family is happy to do it I think that kind of says everything yeah. it needs to say and I think that Craig's probably right in when he's like you know if there is a higher consciousness or whatever that like he saw that and was like this is pretty fucking cool you know
3: yeah yeah, and I should say, look, I mean,
4: ultimately, obviously, not to shit on, but like, I'm not no, shit on what no, you're no, saying it, at it, all. I
3: don't, I don't think you are. I mean, like, what I would say is, any Food Fighters fan who watched that show and felt better after it, or got something cathartic out of it, or or cried and felt that level of release, I mean, I if it helps you, you know, great. And yeah, yeah. like, I, I just, I just struggle a little bit with the fact that it happened at all. But again, what am I talking, I'm talking about with the death of a human being? You know, like, you know, fucking, it happens, like, you know. Maybe it had nothing to do with his grueling touring schedule. Maybe it was just one of those freak things. I
4: don't know, I think... You can't no, no, we can't spell like, like,
1: it. It'd be irresponsible of yeah, and,
3: Like, I mean, I don't want to do that, but I just... It is that
1: com- uncomfortable intersection which happens more and more often these days where it's like real life and then content and our entertainment and what we kind of consume and our role is like consumers are like validating things that are put out and, and the then responsibility of everything you as the yeah, consumer the messiness as well. of real life and it just overlaps so often these days that we do constantly have those moments where we stop and go this is making me uncomfortable how should I be feeling about this we're just navigating it as it comes up like
3: yeah and moving on uh, speaking of navigation <laughs> and navigating your way around a difficult situation um, electric Picnic took place yes. last weekend Um One man said it was absolutely glorious. And who was that man? Melvin Ben. Melvin Ben, the festival director of Electric Picnic, uh, has had his say. Everyone knows who he is, Dave. (laughs) You never tire of hearing that thing, do
4: you? (laughs) I I think we've played it twice this year and that's it, but... So from the uh,
3: from the press release that I was sent, uh, here's some here's some excerpts from this. With no electric picnics since 2019, Melvin Ben said it was really
1: special to be back in action once more. Picnickers. I don't like that. Does that work? I've Pick- never heard it said out loud before. I've seen it written down. I don't like it. Picnickers were Picnickers, treated
3: yeah. to performances. Treated. That's what you get for all your money. Treated. Uh, <laughs> by headliners... Snow some music for a tri- little treat. <laughs> you can have some Snow Patrol as a treat. Uh, headliners Snow Patrol and Arctic Monkeys on Sunday night. Closing out the festival on a high. Quote, It's been absolutely glorious, said Melvin. Hard for me to know what's better in a way. Is it what we present? Or is it what the audience bring and the two collide? One of the amazing things about EP is the spirit, the crack. And it is touchable. It's different. It's identifiable. Mm. <laughs> and of course, amazing as it is, we present on the stage and people ultimately come for that. But the participation of the crowd and their enjoyment of the festival, when those two collide, then it really works. So it's the two colliding that make it work. The audience and entertainment is all one. It's just glorious. On he goes. It sounds like someone
1: has been availing of the HSE's drug testing scheme. Well, he know? did say. He did say. Uh, you're going to get sued. Uh, he did say that, uh, that. That was comedy.
3: He said that was a success uh, overall. They put out messages. And, in fairness, you know, like they did. They put out a message over the weekend saying, mm-hmm. this drug is bad. Don't go near it. Um, so, yes. Um, festival director says, my festival was good. Big story there. Um, anyone I know who went seemed to have a good time. I uh, was
1: very glad I didn't go. I was Monday, fucking I was just like yes, thrilled that yes. I didn't yes.
3: go. I felt zero FOMO whatsoever, even for me, even more, even, even like even for my whatever. I was just like, yeah, man. And weather aside, I was like, I
4: just nah. But Adam, I'm winding up here, ready to release. Like <laughs> Meva was is well, fucking rocker, <laughs> isn't he? Like for, uh,
1: before you start, Adam. Yeah. Yeah.
4: <laughs> no, genuinely. Um, uh, they changed the layout of everything this year. Like they, I think they oh. doubled the capacity. Am it's I right? Seventy thousand. No, it's, yeah. not, it's
3: not double, but it's it's. They've been adding like I think they were adding like ten and five. And, 10,
4: yeah, yeah.
3: They're probably over a Yeah, seventy thousand. More people means more fun, though, right? <laughs> well, uh, when these things collide,
4: great. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's no. It's, it was a logistical nightmare for a lot of it. Yeah. Um, to be quite honest, and. Like I just for example, so I rocked up on Friday. They opened the gates early on Thursday. They do that the whole time. Um, By Friday at twelve o'clock, they were closing campsites because they were full. Fuck. Um, And the campsites were bigger this year, so just goes to show you how it was. Um, Nobody had any idea where, like, I right. I'm gonna preface this by saying I was in an enormously privileged position to be able to be performing at Electric Picnic twice this year, right? Yeah. Something that I've never done before. I've performed at Electric Picnic once before in my life when I was in a band years and years and years ago. And it was like, just, it it was, I had a very good experience. It was a great time. Um, The layout has completely changed this year for anyone who was there. They'll know this. Uh, Anyone who's performing, I'm sure can appreciate this as well. Maybe not the bigger stages. I think any of the bigger tents that were in the main arena were probably, um, I suppose a bit immune to what the, the commentary I'm about to say because like you, there's a more direct route to actually getting there with your equipment or whatever. Um, but coming from car parks, like none of the stewards had any idea where anything was. I had to walk around. I was directed by the stewards around the campsite. It took me an hour and a half to get from the car park to the Salty Dog, which is a five minute walk, and I could see it
1: oh, there's when I came worse. in.
4: I could see it when I came in. I had, like, it ended up that I got there at five. My, like, set was due to start at half seven in the après ski stage. And I ended up having to, like, bring my equipment with me, leave it there because I, and, like, camp with a friend because I had no time to pitch tent that night. Anyway, look, all of that aside, it was a very, very stressful experience on day one. Aside from that. I loved it. the, The rain was shit right the re- Like it, ah, you can't control the weather you can't control the weather the rain was
1: dampened spirits yeah. uh, <laughs> In, as a reveller
4: to a degree like the Irish oh, okay. well, um,
3: Independent had the scoop on that on Friday to be fair they yeah, did say they, they said that spirits not dampened oh really revellers Partied away. Uh, they oh, that's did. a scoop, right? Yeah, rain yeah, yeah. could not dampen the spirits of these revelers, these brave, brave revelers. That's yeah. good to hear. That's to hear. of them, no less. Paper of
1: record.
4: Look, you can either swing one way or the other on it. Like, you can either like be like, fuck this, and am going back to my tent. Or I'm going to the rave in the woods. Or i going to hell. Until tonight. 5 a.m. and I'll just. I'll, I'm deal, I'll on I'll Whatever. whatever be I'll be deal like with that ghost. Do you know I can't what I mean? Make. But, um, yeah, no, I, like, all in all, I think, like. I did, I enjoyed myself very much. I had a great set on the Saturday, or the Friday night in the Upper Ski stage, right. um, which was amazing because you were, I was like DJing with, um, I'm going to give him friend of the show status at yeah. this point, uh, Zach Stevenson. Great guy, um, great guy. Play, he plays in bands called, uh, a band called Monkey, and who I think are kind of on hiatus at the moment, but he's also playing guitar in Skinner. Um, and he does like disco DJ sets and stuff, he's um, some residencies around town and I do some stuff in Chennai and some stuff in the Taphouse but um, I had my first ever DJ set with him on the upper ski stage which is on a balcony and there's a fucking snow machine <laughs> so there was bodies everywhere, it was amazing there was just like so many people there yeah. at, like, at any given time really which was really nice um, and then after that, yeah I went to see Fred again on the Friday night I had never seen a Tenso packed. I'd never seen it so packed. There was about 50 people deep outside of Rankin's Wood. Like he could have been a main stage performer and filled it. Wow. Um, And I think that's because like obviously he's had like a lot of critical acclaim in recent months And mm. um, but it was like it, it was worth everything he got. He played an absolute stormer in there. Um, Really, really brilliant. Best one I saw on Friday night. It was kind of the only one I really saw on Friday night to be honest because I was between playing and yeah. trying to get set up and stuff. But that was okay because he was like the kind of main act I wanted to see all weekend. Um Saturday was Saturday was grand. It was a bit of rain here and there. Um I had a good time. I was kind of just faffing around with my friends. Well, give
3: us a give us your hits and misses of the festival.
4: Crangaben number one hit. Yes. oh okay, good. They were incredible. Um I I was like it was myself and myself my girlfriend Eileen and my friend Kyle were the only kind of three left on the Sunday. Everyone else had left. And gone home because they were, I think like they had other stuff to do and there was a journey back to Cork and I think one of them had kind of a bit of a sore back or whatever. So, um, he's kind of got trouble with that anyway, but look, that's neither here nor there. They went home, we stayed for Krangabin and then we, because like disclosure I've seen before, I could take or leave him. Um, I'm a big fan, but it was just a DJ set and I thought, yeah. I think the live show was a bit better. Um, Arctic Monkeys, I mean, not really interested if I'm being honest.
1: Um, but so, Melvin Ben said they were amazing yeah, I believe them <laughs> I, was t- I, was talking I could to, hear them from the car park <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to a uh, mate of mine just I was asking about the Arctic Monkeys set and um, I got the um, yeah in the middle of it they got kind of very self-indulgent and I was
0: that like Damn rock, it, that, that, that rock and like, roll like, I, wish I'd there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the self-indulgent stuff
4: um, <laughs> yeah but crangabin anyway where the, the highlight of the weekend I couldn't, couldn't believe it like yeah. the, the noise that three people make it so was did phenomenal. They drop, like,
1: loads of covers and stuff. They did yeah. hip
4: hop medley. It's so good. And yeah. it was, and then they started like playing like Eurodance hits at the end. So you in heaven, which was so out of character, but it felt so right. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, like it was such a disconnect. But give me, um, uh,
3: give me two more standouts, and then give me some bad ones. I want to who, um, who
4: sucked. Two more standouts. Rina Saoyama. Really, oh, really good, really um, good. A bit of an inside information here. She. Uh, let it slip that her and David Balf for those I love have a song on her new record. Incredible! So that that was Rankin's Wood, wasn't it? That was Rankin's Wood. So was Crankabin. But the lineup
3: there was insane because it was like JPEG, Matthew, followed by The Scratch, followed by Rena Sawayama, followed by For Those Were I Love.
4: Phenomenal. I heard their tent was heaving. Genuinely, there were circle pits, yeah, uh, yeah. constantly. <laughs> and that was 100% Lango encouraging circle pits. But it was it was great. Um, Colin McKenna is the new bassist that's filled in for Pete, who's left, uh, I think, because of family commitments and stuff like that. He kind of wanted to focus a bit more about that. Um, but yeah, they played phenomenal. So those were certainly my highlights of the weekend. Um, if I think of any more, I will... Definitely mentioned Come on, on and start um, people up, Yeah, yeah. Tempala. Absolutely shit. Really? <laughs> like, it was, they are not a festival headliner. <laughs>
3: well, I saw them at Forbidden Fruit and they were very good. I saw them at Forbidden and they were great. It
4: really didn't work for me at all. It was, the volume was awful as well. Okay. The volume was really low. I don't, um, yeah, that won't work Tempala.
1: No, the light show was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah.
4: It was like, wow, really good. But there was no power in the performance. Like, the volume was... language. languid a bit yeah. yeah it's a bit like I Sway. could see I could see it in a tent three arena perfect amazing right but main stage wow not, not so much
1: it was hilarious in Primavera when they um quite kindly dropped last night because the strokes had obviously cancelled that weekend and people went absolutely crazy for it and then um, Kevin Parker goes hey we're gonna go back to Tame Impala songs now and everyone started <laughs> 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 just going,
0: you don't, don't say it you just do it
4: <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of some other ones that were really good The Cope, The Cope were great they closed out Saturday night in the mind and body stage um, obviously their first performance show for a long session basis for uh, James Vince McMahon Circa Richardson um, he, him and uh, David Curley who is formerly of Otherkin and now owns and runs the Clinic Studios they have been working on stuff for a long time, like a long time. I remember hearing some of the songs last year, being fortunate enough to get a sneak peek. Um, they're great. I think it's really exciting that Ireland have a dance act that are, like, I don't know, they feel like they're, there's some weight to it. Um, Sounds international. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um, Low lights
3: though, Adam, come on. Who
4: else More low lights. Okay yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm running through My stuff here Kinsey was really good I really enjoy Kinsey <laughs> um, I miss <laughs> per- I, I miss <laughs> Perfume Genius oh. Which was a shame Um not to worry, you got to know encore this man. You got like Oh, the, coo- the kooks weren't great. Oh, come on! <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like, I won't well, believe it's it. The bloody kooks, Tame Impala was the one that really didn't. Yeah, that'd like, be a disappointment. I'm shocked. Yeah, it was just,
3: I not, guess I don't really have much opinion on Tame Impala, but you know, I, go like, on, slag off the kooks. i
4: some more. <laughs> 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 Luke <laughs> Pritchard, <laughs> <laughs> Luke Pritchard, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: How are, are they still going? Seriously. I've no idea. It's 2022.
1: 20, they- Do you remember they had that like anniversary thing and people were going crazy for that? They did like a few what? Olympia shows off the back of it. Yeah, yeah. What?
4: Like- the best of all time though is Simon Amstel interviewing oh, them on Pop World. A- yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Simon Amstel. Incredible. I, uh, can I say someone who surprised me? Yes. Um, in a bad way? No, no, in a good way. <laughs> then <Bend> no. <up>. Is... <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, sorry, I've gotten nothing for <laughs> you. i only going to good things, everybody. It surprised me in a good way was... Melvin Fo- Ben. He no. was a, a
3: delight. Fontaine's t c See, this is the thing, right? I I, right. I, included them in my Joe preview of who to go and see. Because, you know, you're speaking to the masses. So I was like, whatever, I'll throw them in. Who cares? And one of my colleagues was like, what the fuck? You're picking... Fo-? And I said, look, I was like... I would go if I'm at a festival and they're playing. And I would anticipate that it would be a big show. People would be really up for it. You know, I, I'm i sure they put on a good
4: show. They did. It was like, uh, the last time I... No, in fairness, the last time I saw them was when they, I think, filled in last minute at, for, at Forbidden Fruit in 2018, I'm going to say. when some, There was a, a headline act that pulled out. Uh, yeah, I forget who it was. Uh, me too. um Iver? I, I can't no, remember. No, it, it. it was a two-piece. It, like it was like a double act. Okay, someone's screaming into their phone right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh, we'll figure uh, it out later on. You can message us directly on patreon.com slash noencore or on Instagram at <laughs> Um... So, the last time I saw them was then, but fucking hell, they've improved. Like, their stagecraft is... Like, it is... It warrants the reputation that they have. Whether you're a fan of the music or not, I think, like, and I'm not... I'm not a big fanboy by any chance. I think that their latest record is probably their best. It is, yeah, I think so. And Second
3: one, guys, but whatever. Okay, listen, we're uh, in the interest of uh, moving the show along because, you know, we're going to be four hours long at this stage. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. Also, oh, um, how was the how was the Nilo set?
4: Oh, Nilo set was great. Yeah, we we played Salty Dog on Sunday um, at five o'clock. Loads of people there. The sun just happened to come out at the same, at the same time. Um, we had Rebel Phoenix up uh with us. For a couple of songs, um, it was his thirtieth birthday, so it was a bit of a surprise act. Happy went birthday! Down there. It was a happy birthday, yeah. Dropped a hard style remix for <laughs> <No, laughs> um, incredible. <laughs> but yeah, no, we had we had a great time. It was like a really good way to cap off festival season with the Nilo crew because we've done that. That was the seventh festival. Also, we've a done. shout
3: out to Rachel from the crew. Yes, performing with Nilo performing yes. in the Dublin Gospel Choir yes. and performing in the choir that backed up Picture This yes. on the main oh, stage incredible
4: and, uh, Blaheen as well was the other girl who like she played with Nilo as well incredible so there was uh, the two of them two but of them What a weekend. at it all what weekend. Weekend. What a weekend? What a weekend and Kev Forn as well who played uh, trumpet for us was playing with he, he played eight gigs all weekend Jesus the guy was exhausted would you go back next year I feel like I'm going to end up there <laughs> I, if he's paid enough I, I, I was going to say like, it, like, I I, again I will preface this by saying I'm in an incredibly privileged position where I'm like with acts that I get to go yeah. and perform with but I cannot see how people pay 350 euro for a ticket
1: well listen it was the same problem with primavera to an extent where it's just like the pandemic has happened. It's been a good few years since they put this kind of thing yeah. on. Yeah. Have a lot of senior people maybe left the industry or all that kind of stuff? I mean, maybe first year back, benefit of the doubt and hopefully next year yeah. Yeah. that stuff is earned out. Um, I
4: mean, like, the logistical aspect of it from a performer's perspective was the worst part. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um,
4: but aside from that, I mean, like, there was loads of new stages. A, a, I saw a lot of people giving out about, like, the amount of corporate sponsorship as well as it was a lot this oh. year but I mean
3: that's not a new thing and if they want to be Glastonbury if they want to be fucking the biggest festival in town
4: yeah it's just, like it's like, you can't it I don't, sucks, think though. You can, you don't think you can repeat that do you know what I mean like, it sucks, d- though doesn't matter where you go it's part of what makes
3: it overwhelming and not fun I find because there's just too much happening like you stand in a given spot and you're being screamed at by not just people but like 16 different stages an or an places NFT. yeah, it's yeah, yeah but that it's was yeah, the example from Premier look it's Vera, some yeah, people's yeah. idea of a great time it isn't mine and I hope I never go there ever again uh, <laughs> one news story closes out though because we're already Going way over time for a podcast. Um, real quick. <laughs> Not for uh, this podcast, though, happy with this headline of mine, Craig. Would you read it out?
1: Harry Styles in
3: spitting distance of tremendous drama thank you very much Um, you didn't even comment it Um, don't worry darling it's well for itself don't worry darling Uh, the film on everyone's (laughs) the film film on everyone's lips unless of course phlegm is coming off those lips Um, congratulations is uh, yeah apparently it's terrible I'm sure people are all aware of this stuff right now it's a movie in which Harry Styles plays an actor plays an actor is an actor maybe he I don't know how good is he Um, he's making weird statements though I'm starting to think that he's not the real deal after all Uh, Florence Pugh isn't doing press for it etc did Harry Styles spit on Chris Pine no says Chris Pine's rep these men have respect for each other if you don't know what we're talking about you've missed out on the drama of the week all the memes a bad movie apparently premiering in Venice and all kinds of behind the scenes drama but Harry Styles is front and centre
1: Craig what do you think did he spit on Chris Pine um, I can confirm, I think, that he did not. <laughs> it's Sadly. This is yeah. a pruder <laughs> film for time. I kind of wish it did happen. When I saw the, the clip that's doing the rounds, I thought he definitely did, right? There was just... Pine's it, reaction, it, yeah. Olivia Wilde's reaction as well. She was kind of beaming and then suddenly it was just like, oh, very awkward, yeah. um, which is kind of fast becoming her default I mode. I desperately
3: need to know what happened on the set because there's so much like resultant drama, that, but
1: somehow they've kept it locked down what actually went down but Chris Pine and Harry Styles didn't seem to be involved so what's, yeah. what's that Well Harry Styles was involved beef.
3: in that he replaced Shia LaBeouf hooked up with his director I assume it was an unprofessional environment and Florence Pugh is a professional, hence her being like, well, fuck this. I'll come in. I'll look unbelievable on the red carpet. I'll get the photos. The, the Chris Pine thing is the best part of this, though, because Chris Pine, an actor I've always really liked, by the way.
1: Yeah. Heller- I'm not sure about the long hair. Oh, he looks amazing. It's very Erling Haaland. No, it's more Brad Pitt, isn't it? He wishes.
3: I will say... <laughs> There was a photograph doing the rounds of him looking unimpressed with like sea pine right in front of him. Someone sent me that photograph and it was the first I saw it and they said... Uh, nowadays, he said, nowadays, I'm all about this hot new actress, Catherine Pine. And I genuinely was like, it took me a minute because he
1: looks kind of Scandinavian or something. Like, I don't know. And like, the clips doing rounds of him just like staring into space it's and great. just like astral projecting with Chris Pine. While which is Harry, a series well, I definitely while Harry Styles is talking about
3: how he loves movies because they remind him of movies. But like a, Chris yeah. Pine rules. He's always been a very good actor. If you haven't seen Hell or High Water... Go watch that movie. It fucking rules. He's amazing in it. Yeah, and like, it contains a fight scene. Oh, go on. The best beat down I've ever seen in my life, and he he delivers it. Okay,
1: and he did not get spot on because I then um <laughs> I found a clip from a different angle. Oh, Dave. it's a film again. I told angle? you.
3: No, I haven't seen. That. I, I've only seen the one angle from the front.
1: From the side, you can clearly see that what actually happens. First of all, you can see Harry face on approaching, and he doesn't open his mouth. But second of all, you can see that Chris Pine puts down his phone between his legs <laughs> okay. over, and what clearly happens is his phone vibrates and that's his reaction. He's like, oh shit, I've got a thing because he is incredible. picks it up and looks at it. This is incredible. So I can confirm that it was the vibrating phone in between the legs of Chris Pine. So what you're saying is there was three winners in one fight. <laughs> 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 and with that in mind, Bravo. everybody,
3: we'll move to the top five. It's top five songs about the nighttime, Craig. It's mm. nocturnal. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, I guess songs that evoke the night are songs that use nighttime as a setting to kind of drive the n- lyrical narrative forward. Um, it's pretty Ron Seal as a topic. It's kind of a big one to the point that I was just telling you guys prior to hopping on this record that like last night it was about 11 o'clock. I hadn't had any dinner and I was still going over my shortlist being like, it's, it, there's too much. There's too much. There's too, <laughs> too many clips cut. I found it tough there's a lot of good stuff out there I mean how did you find it? I initially had a
3: list that had the word night in every song and then I changed that list to get one song in there without the word night in it I took it very literally and I also did my did my due diligence on it quite quickly I'm in this run now where it's like I gotta go what comes to mind quickly yeah I don't wanna overthink it I wanna commit to the to, to, to the situation as best I can And with conviction, you know, comes difficult choices, Greg. But I've made mine. And uh, for me, it was about, yeah, you know, things that are said at night, some literal stuff. I think I've got a good mix. Adam has hyped this up to the
4: max. Yeah. Yes, um, I'm going to go on record here by saying I think this will be one of the top three top fives of all time. It's a
3: kiss of death right there. I, I a, can't
4: wait till we do a top five top fives. <laughs> oh, top five <laughs> top fives. Most yeah. Ever episode we'll so ever
3: do. It's top five night songs, top five songs about the night. And Craig with Patrick is going to take down well, the darkness. I'm
4: going to just interrupt
1: oh, quickly on, yes. because oh.
3: we have an intro. I have an intro. I okay. forgot about that. Yes, sorry. I have an intro. I want to set the tone. It's like, a, So so it's nighttime, right? It's, you know, because we are entering the the portion of the year where, you know, the evenings come in a little bit closer, you know, it's getting colder and stuff. It's getting a bit scary out there. Yeah, whether Can't it's stick on the heating, whether <laughs>
1: it's
3: whether, whether it's whether it's whether it's whether it's rising, ele- whether, whether it's rising electricity costs, or what what Harry Styles really is up to, I don't know. There's just so much out there to to, to petrify one. So yes. you know, I mean, like we're we're almost bringing Halloween to the party a little bit a little bit early here. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to capture the mood with a really sinister and heavy, gloomy. A despair-filling piece of music that, I, that isn't in my top five. Oh, but I goody. think will we'll set the tone for the top five. So
1: settle down with your pumpkin spice latte and
3: and drink this in. Yeah. His, Craig got out of his seat there and actually danced away.
1: I hate this Spontaneous song. joy. Hate the song. Hate the video. Think of the music video and this beaming front man. Hate and it. I just, it's good vibes. Mavericks danced the night away. Uh, very Garth
3: Brooksie who, by the way, is in town as of this podcast dropping. Oh, yeah. I'm not going. I did ask the PR. I said, hey, can I go to all five nights, five nights of this? I'll picture this, blah, blah, blah. And they came back and said, obviously, you understand that we can't give you tickets to all five nights, but we can give you tickets to the Friday. And I wrote back, Craig, and I was in such a mood that I said, thanks. I, I do indeed understand. But as the man himself once said, it's five or none, as far as this cowboy is concerned. <laughs> and did you put on your Stetson and leave your desk? No, because that would result in me probably getting some kind of disciplinary action, so I just kept on with my day. Okay, it's
1: but, yeah, Strictly no Stetson's policy at Joe. Interesting. They wouldn't even let the conversation begin? <laughs> oh, that's a great callback. I call mean, back. They, the
4: I,
3: older, I don't think they
1: have... The they don't really have many policies at Joe, to be honest with you. It's... I would like to be teleported <laughs> into. Crow Don't Park get me going. Just for, um, just for the dance.
3: Yeah. Oh, so would I. I'd say it'd be great. Yeah. But I can't have gone to Jordan Peterson. And that. I know I'm not. That's a, that's a total gag. Fuck that guy. Craig, please start the list.
1: Oh, okay. So let's get us into the mood. Um, if that didn't already set the tone, It's kind of evocative. Let's. This is a really obvious intro one, I think. So it's going to work nicely. Here we go. More sight. More sight. The clock on the wall reads, a Thank you. Yeah, it's Midnight in a Perfect World. DJ Shadow, fitting name from Endstraducing, 1996. Just a masterpiece of sampling. Um... The inspiration for one of our non-core um, photo shoots. Oh, the yeah. The photo shoot we ever did. Yeah, did five yeah, years that's ago right. Come, Entire record. We yeah, we were at the racks. That was quite good. Can you remember what albums we were all looking at?
3: I was looking at it. You were looking at a Kiss I, album. Well, yeah, actually. That was prior to Kiss Corner as well. I was reading a copy of Empire Magazine. I think it had the Suicide Squad on the front yeah. of it. And Cullum was holding this album in which someone is holding like it was very meta yeah yeah it used to be our cover photo but we can't use it anymore because Cullum Cullum left us he
1: stole into the night Um, yeah much like you will do when you listen to this record this is a very nocturnal album in general Um, definitely yeah I put on quite a lot like just like big headphones listen as you snuggle into bed and DJ Shadow's an interesting one. I saw him at Primavera. He was on about four in the morning. Um, I just kind of sat to one side and soaked it in. It was really, really good. I was doing like Wordle at the time and I was like more or less done with the day <laughs> and I was just like, it was the end of the first time. This, this has been good. Um, and he's still putting out records. Like the new one had Run the Jewels on it and like a lot of great guests and stuff. But I suppose well, he's maybe six albums in now. Is that his last album? That was like 2016. Yeah, I think it is, unless I've, maybe, maybe there's one in the last year or two that I've missed, but um, certainly by the time I first heard of him when, through um, a review of the follow-up to Introducing, which was The Private Press, I think, and already, I think that was about 2002, and already it was just like, well, it's no Introducing, where does he go from here? <laughs> that was 20 years ago. Jesus, He's had a very successful DJ career, but yeah, I guess, hasn't topped Introducing. Has anyone else? Like, it's just, it's, kind of captured a moment. It's one of the best albums I've ever made. truly is yeah and just really showcases the art that is sampling i don't think it's probably one of those ones like paul's boutique where i don't know if you could make it and get it officially released now just because of everything he's drawing on it's tremendous soul there the trip hop drums it's just it takes you somewhere else completely and big kind of like radio vibes as well like, I, do you know what I mean? It just feels... There's something about, like, a, a master sampler where it's not just kind of new music. You feel like something is being curated specifically for you and you can kind of dip into, like, oh, this is someone that has great taste and I'd like to hang out with them. And, yeah, like, I've always been someone that will get into bed and listen to radio from, like, being very young. Just that kind of hiss of switching between stations as you kind of drift off. And that gives me those kind of vibes um it's tremendous it was the first song that came to mind it's my number five though so mm. where do we go from here Your number five maybe well
3: switching between stations sounds like an emo band <laughs> it's a great name um also i should note real quick a uh, fantastic choice fantastic album right. uh back to electric picnic for a second though because years ago um selena murphy and hot press interviewed dj shadow
0: oh, yeah in the phantom
3: this. van they let us use it and I sat there next to her holding an iPad up, filming him for video content. A fucking iPad uh, for like a 20 minute interview that Cena did with him. And it was really good. He was really forthcoming, but he was very serious.
1: Yeah, he's very intense, focused dude.
3: and intense. Yeah, yeah.
1: But a cool guy. Um, at least from my recollection. I think, I think you have to be that kind of person to put together a record like that back then. Because it was just very physical. And do you know what I mean? Like stuff that may be accomplished... Um, through easier means these days, it just has that tactile feel. So, yeah, I totally forgot about that. That was, <laughs> yeah, what a scenario! I know, why. Wow, the iPad right? videoing days. Wow, oh, don't Jesus miss them. Christ, don't miss them at all. 2012. <laughs> go on <laughs> not as bad as the time i interviewed everything everything and had to ca- get 15 minutes of the entire band me interviewing them and like filming them with the ipad from across the room to fit them all in that's <laughs> 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 the shittest
3: thing ever <laughs> uh, hotpress.com everybody but, uh, um, yeah. anyway so number uh, like m- matching i would say the the intensity The feeling of you know listlessness and maybe a little bit of paranoia. I've got that in spades on my number five. So yeah, um, it's eighties still since man. <laughs> to Canada we go, and Corey Hart sunglasses at night. Don't masquerade with the guy in shades. Oh no! Uh, released in January nineteen eighty four. So. You the know, most 80s of years we've
1: um it we established was uh, it last
3: week. a a whopping six seven months for before, uh, before Dave Hanready arrived uh, to uh you know to uh, redress. You, think you heard
1: it by proxy, just Probably, as your mum uh, was wandering
3: around. To- you? maybe. Um, I, I don't really want to think about what into. What, think about that for what, a minute. What, what, what went into? <laughs> Good, I'll think about it. I'd <laughs> <laughs> rather not. Um, instant classics at all. Music with its distinctive melody and catchy chorus. Um, the co-producer of this track, Phil Chapman, said that the recording sessions for Corey Hart's album. Took place in a studio where the air conditioning and heating vents were directly above the mixing console, and air from the vents blew directly into the faces of the control room personnel, so they often wore sunglasses to protect their eyes. Oh, sure, yeah. Corey the Hart, old excuse. Corey Hart <laughs> <laughs> working on a new song, began to improvise lyrics that included the line, I wear my sunglasses at night. I'd like to think that that's a bullshit story, but you never know. I like it. Um, I could see it being real. It could be real. Yeah. Is it too real for you? Uh, <laughs> essentially, I think the song is unreal, it's awesome it's in Stranger Things this season I think
1: oh, how does it take them
3: it. how does it take them so many years yeah to get the this? most
1: 80s of songs and we've as we've discussed before Stranger Things has become more 80s than the 80s So, <laughs> I will say yeah there's no like horrible recession in Stranger Things I, I will say um, I kind
3: of feel a little bit bad picking this song because it feels like well this is about you isn't it about me? I could imagine you going going, going for one of your
1: famous midnight runs around League Slip with sunglasses, with sunglasses on. on. Oh, come on. Now, hold on. <laughs> Much has been made of some of my sartorial choices, but... Oh no, you've, got, you've got a torch with you as well. Don't worry. You can <laughs> oh, so see everything. Sorry.
3: The be- one of the best clips was of <laughs> the Chris Pine thing. <laughs> like they keep the camera on like you know like as like and as the lights go down to put the movie on Chris Pine puts his sunglasses on and oh, everyone's like great.
1: this man is going to sleep <laughs> like, <laughs> that's great I was going to ask you how you feel about like sunglasses indoors
3: or, I've never worn them I don't, I don't wear them at all I just feel like they're not for me and I, I'm envious of people who do wear them because I, I find that people always look very very cool in them.
1: I'm, I'm very um. I get very <laughs> anxious if I'm still wearing sunglasses when I go indoors, oh, indoors. because oh, I, I know, instantly I, think I was people are going to with, think douchebag yeah no, I was more you can't see it at I was wearing more of a gen- <laughs> more, more of a generalisation there yeah I mean I guess
3: it's like you know it's probably not the most maybe there could be a contextual circumstance to do so I mean if you were like you know for example Blade the the daywalker who fights off vampires I mean like you know that's yes. fine you probably wear them at all times um, Edgar Davids maybe you know yeah um, Bottle, cool. Bottle. Bottle. Um, like Glaucoma was it Glaucoma I think he has Glaucoma yeah, yeah, yeah possibly like but essentially, yeah, no, it it is douchebag behavior. But I'm sure that there's a time and a place for it,
1: especially if this song comes on. Yeah, got this great song out of it. The cramps sunglasses after darks brilliant as well. Didn't make my top five. But, decent yeah. tune. But mm-hmm. I love how I, I do love how this song is like five choruses in one. Because like Yo, yeah, the very yeah, start of it, just, just keeps going. Yeah, like,
3: like, you think you've heard the chorus, and then all of a sudden he goes into that kind of like that growl, like you know where he's like fucking. It's very you know it is kind of Halloweenish as well. It kind of I think it works perfectly
1: for. Uh, something a little bit nightmarish and that's my number five good spooky stuff Dave my number four and we're getting into the heartland a little bit this is a song that's been like it's kind of the one that nearly got away do you know <laughs> what I mean like I've, I've had the clip cut for ages and it's been you know threatening to get into a top five but it hasn't quite made it and I've been raging because I love it so so here we go
2: out in
0: the seat of my 60 share. Working on mysteries without any clues Working on our night moves
1: Trying to make some front page driving news Working on our night moves Detroit's finest there. Apologies to Kid Rock. It's Bob Seger. (laughs) Night moves. Uh, I'm trying to think now what top fives it nearly got into. It's also, I was listening to it yesterday and I'm like, it dawned on me that, and I've been listening to this song for years and years, that night moves clearly just means having sex, I think. Does it? Yeah, it's working on the night moves in the back of the Chevy. I mean, again, I'm picturing you running, running. (laughs) outrunning. yeah. Bob Seeger talked about being inspired by um, some Italian beauty that was in his hometown that well, he was sure, trying sure not, he. Yeah, hook up with when he was a teenager. <laughs> and um, she had a boyfriend that was in the military or something, and he came back and he got married and uh, he wrote this to try and impress her. And yeah, it's quite an all-American tragic story, but quite a sweet one as well. Um, but what elevates this for me from being a bit of a kind of heartland rock bop is, you know, the bridge, Dave? you know the bridge the, the infamous for a second bridge. there I thought yeah. you were about to say, I thought <laughs> I you know the bridge no, yeah, no, no 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 even
3: better because Craig looked at me and like put his hand out like some kind of like news night participant and you know the bridge I, I thought you were going like, to like stop and be like a bridge of course in popular music is when like, I thought yeah, 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 the yeah. very
1: concept thereof <laughs> Well, the song kind of wraps with um, him, Bob Seger, really bringing things down and just stripping it back to the acoustic. But it cuts into this, like, fast forward to him, like, waking up in the middle of the night, like, 4 a.m. years later and having this panicked moment of just, like, I know, all those days are behind me now. And he's talked about how actually, you know, it's funny how the night moves um, as you get older. And it gets quite, like, sentimental, existential, steeper levels to it. It's actually quite moving in a way that it's, you know, considering it's... A bit of a Bruce knockoff. <laughs> and <laughs> when you said Heartland, you know, that's where I thought you were going. Yeah, yeah. Um, like looking up some of the um com. <laughs> Bob Seger himself was just like, I heard Jungle Land, and I was like, Oh, now I know how to finish this song. I'll just <laughs> add on a bridge. And like a bit so, and it worked. It took him out of being a regional Detroit star to again, yeah, um the biggest Detroit star of all time with apologies to Kid Rock, maybe Eminem. Okay, That's my number
3: four. Uh, my number four. I want you to picture the year. It's twenty fifteen. I've just moved to Dublin, and um, you know, I'm going out in the town. It's kind of you know a dark night. I'm, it's Young book. It's raining around. It's raining. I'm I'm a bit drunk, you know, and I'm walking home, and I've, I've got this in my ears, and I'm practically fucking singing it like I'm in the music video. It's time for what Pitchfork Magazine described as a... Uh, oh, hang on, I fucked up my notes here. Damn it. <laughs> it really was. Oh, no, I messed it up completely. Uh, let's just... Uh, let's keep all this in. Why not? Yes, Pitchfork Magazine described this as a dark, almost discordant meditation on lust, drugs and fame. Oh. So, me walking home, listen to this. So that's the hills by the weekend, and I'm not sure if we've ever heard it sound as good as we just heard on Adam's
1: speakers. That, my god, Adam. <laughs>
4: fuck me. That was... Yeah, the subwoofers in there really doing the 808 justice.
1: Up there with the Jay Paul moment. Good I, Lord. I, I was thinking of including House of Balloons and I'm kind of raging now that we couldn't just hear another Weekend song.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, I, I I I didn't have him in and, and, and then he was in because I was just
3: like, oh yeah, of he's course. He's the Prince of Darkness. He, he was. Um, I mean, this is one of the last great Weekend songs, I think. I mean, he's had... There is... There, there still is some very good stuff out there, but like... He was on such form, and this is off the album Beauty Behind the Madness, when he very much was like, I want to be the biggest pop star in the world now. And this was like an incredible balance because it has that Heads of Balloons feel. It is a bit more commercial, and it is about him. You know, he's prowling around committing... As is his want. Committing the darkest sin infidelity well I guess the woman's committing infidelity he's just the proxy um, yeah. and, wha- and what a proxy he is um,
1: King Infidelity Street- proxy what a post-punk band they were uh, Jason Bourne in <laughs> Infidelity <laughs> proxy <laughs> sounds a bit Steven Seagal-y maybe or like
3: Metal Gear Solid again to, to bring that back up but um, Snake it's an <laughs>
1: infidelity proxy get out of
3: there Ocelot has you where he wants <laughs> <Ocelot>. you <laughs> anyway look listen um, The Hills Abel Tezve The Weeknd the song is Fucking unbelievable. I actually hadn't heard it in so long. I was like, oh yeah, Jesus. Like I was obsessed with this. And mm. again, literally walking around feeling like a hundred feet tall. Uh, you know, as the weekend does in this video where he gets out of a car crash. Um yeah, I like when he's on this form, no one does it better, I think. It's brutal. It's brooding. It's wildly self indulgent. He's a fucking asshole. He knows it. Yeah. It sounds unbelievable. It's a character
1: we think and hope. <laughs> we thought that discussion it's more. It's an incredible. It be, yeah. It's an
3: incredible, incredible song. Um, and I don't know. I mean, like outside of like stuff like call It my name, and I don't know. Like maybe, like what else has he done? Like of this that's
1: this good Vince. yeah the my dear I really,
4: Melancholy EP is pretty great it is really, really good like
1: After Hours I, I thought know, that yeah, transition yeah. from f- Fate into Blinding Lights is brilliant like there's some darkness on that the more recent one where you, it's full 80s isn't quite doing it for me it's not got tunes yeah. Yeah. it's got tunes but it I, I don't it's f- a different mo- it's a different I don't feel it almost, yeah. really yeah. yeah but The Hills
3: fuck me man it's incredible um, yeah so it's you know it's a descent into hell you know in, 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 at 5 in the morning and he does we've all been there <laughs> not quite there <laughs> (laughs) 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 I've never had to be like... Uh, wow. yo I'm on the way to the house can you give me directions please so I can fuck you you're cheating your boyfriend now but yeah it's it's, it's full of all the usual Never say, Never <laughs> it's, it's full... well I'm coming into my prime um, it, it, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's full of all it's full of all the usual weekend weekend systems uh, in which he like you know
1: it's all acid tongued and you yeah. know
3: whatever uh, we'll move on
1: I'm not, I, not... Uh, no I was just thinking of um, you know that performance scene in Uncut Gems where like it's in the club and I thought that captured really well the kind of men and like the power of his music where it's just like pounding yeah. claustrophobic he feels like a kind of presence and yeah there was a real magic to him when he arrived it's now he's just a huge pop star he's just another guy yeah I'm sure he's dead upset alright from the prince former prince of darkness um to oh yeah we obviously ha- recently had forthcoming nights are 9 or 9 on the show let's go with the night boss
0: I get up in the And I ain't got nothing
3: to say I come home in the morning I go to bed
1: Bruce Springsteen, "Dancing in the Dark," the best Bruce Springsteen song. Can we well, all agree? Well, I actually was going to ask you, like hot take. It's my favorite, I hot think. take in the moment here, like enjoying what we just heard. Is this the best song ever written? It's so. Every time it comes on, I think it might be. You've got that synth line. You've it's got the lyric. It's which is Just like he is, kind of he does own the night like american nights in a certain way like we just heard what, like, like the fucking new, new york bit... police department in the 70s <laughs> yeah. we, we owned, owned the night, night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean like I, there was so many options I could have gone with for Bruce where it just it feels like all of his songs are set at night where people are in various states of despair and trying to break free and it's all about like the possibility of the night but the oppression of it and it's a big metaphor Yeah for yeah him. he stole everything he had from Bon Jovi we know this but sorry, continue <laughs> New Jersey's real finest <laughs> There you go <laughs> um, but I think this just encapsulates everything brilliant about him it's you know it speaks to maybe the the blue collar worker but actually it's, it's clearly just a song about an artist it's like him Getting up in the evening, keeping those kind of, you know, bizarre working hours, and it's about him trying to write a hit song. John Lendo, his um, manager. He he got apparently like seventy songs down for Born in the USA. It was a humongous um, success, obviously. But John Landau was just like, You don't have a hit, Bruce. <laughs> you don't have a hit. <laughs> <laughs> and Bruce was just like, I've written seventy songs, John. If you want a hit, write a fucking hit. <laughs> so then Bruce like gathered himself and just went away to write a hit himself. And he apparently wrote this in one night. And it actually was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah,
3: unbelievable. God, dancing in the Fine, dark. here you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, what can you imagine? <laughs>
1: Yeah, and like there were seventy songs prior to that. So pissed sure, was I. All good. <laughs> and um, I think it d- really conveys that almost insomniac thing, or that working to a deadline thing. Of like, we've all had those nights where you've done an all nighter to like finish a thesis or something, right? We've had weeks like that. I have certainly yeah. remember a, a crazy week that I had. Ones like that, and it just captures that you never really feel more alone than at, in the depths of the night when you're working on something and everyone else is asleep. Do you know what I mean? Sure something quite romantic about it, something kind of tragic about it. Yeah. And um yeah, it's just it's everything kind of Bruce is about. Obviously the video gave us um Courtney Cox. Yeah, the video gave birth to Courtney Cox. Yeah. <laughs> um
3: and when I was a kid, yeah, go on. I thought that was real. I didn't realize it was an actor. I thought it was
1: like a real thing that happened. Oh, really? So, like... Hold on, when you were a kid, so yeah. prior to Friends or are... Yeah. Oh, so w- once you saw the first episode of Friends as like a I just remember, no, no, old, I, I like, just
3: remember like the very first time I would have seen this video, I thought it was a real thing. I thought it was like a, a concert performance or something. Like, I don't remember the actual moment, but I just remember that my takeaway was, oh, fuck, it's a, it's an actor. I, I thought it was a thing. I thought it was like a moment.
1: I can confirm to you that Bruce thought the same. He didn't realise that it was an actor hired to it. He thought there was just like fans picked that he could potentially pick out a crowd. Really? So he didn't realise that Courtney Cox was an actor, yeah. No way. Which so what a, we see in the video is him being real? Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's always r- real with the boss, baby. That's not to talk with the boss, baby. Brian De Palma directed the video. The
3: to, to boss, baby? Oh, sorry, the video of this. The Dancing in the Dark, did yeah. Did he? Yeah, he did indeed. But it's unusually not creepy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. And one other, fa- this is more of a factoid. factoid, factoid I mean, Craig's yeah. factoids are back. Here we go, yeah, it's been about two years. <laughs> Actor Alfonso Ribeiro has claimed to have drawn inspiration from Cox's dancing for his The Carlton Dance Oh I can see that Fresh of I can see that yeah So just a huge cultural moment for everyone Yeah and again What year? 84 84 Springtime for humanity Springtime for humanity <laughs> Very good I can't wait to complete that season
3: we'll get there All right. Uh, how do I follow that well there's only one way to do that isn't there Uh, (laughs) so this song has previously featured in a top five in fact it was my number one before in a different list but you weren't here for that list so I feel I can do it again and it was going to be my number one on this list but uh, through some long dark nights of the soul I've had of my own I bumped it down to number three but it is again it could be the best song of all time okay I'm going to need to take those speakers with me. It is Phil Collins, king of divorce corps himself. Power and of
4: divorce corps.
3: in
1: <laughs> Can, can I just say there. that? Can,
3: yeah. Blew the roof off the place. The Studios now roofless. The of a man getting divorced. Yeah, Can I also
4: just say that that's how Dave labelled the clip Divorce core King.
3: I did. Uh, and he is. Uh, divorce core baby. It's in the air tonight. Okay. Sorry, sorry
4: just before we move on I've been like I've been playing Easy Lover an abhorrent amount of times the, the last that's couple loud, weeks. That's so. allowed.
3: There's no such thing as, as an abhorrent amount of times oh, when it comes, is, to, it
4: just, when it comes I, to the I, king of Divorce v- court. I used to slag one of my best mates for loving Phil Collins so much but how can you how can you deny that he is
1: I can write you an essay on it <laughs> number
3: 291 on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time it is of course you know in the air good. tonight um, I, I don't have much to add apart from I think the song is genuinely brilliant I always have I've come to appreciate it a lot more in recent years no irony here I think it's a fucking masterpiece the drumming the, like, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's it's ridiculous the build up is perfect I think it's a great song I think it does capture a sense of Twilight and yeah. weirdness and stillness at three in the morning. And, you know, there's the whole urban legend thing that, you know, has been denied that he saw a man drowning and whatever the fuck. But apparently he has said, no, that, that's not a thing at all. Um, that never it, made in, any sense to me. We've <laughs> talked about this before, of course, uh, when I was writing this, I was going through a divorce, as he says. So it's an angry song and the bitter side of separation. Uh,
1: these stories about someone drowning is are comical to me. Um, Did we ever get to the root of that? that legend, like where what, does that come from? And why does it how does it make sense as a scenario? How is he doing an accusatory thing of watching someone watch someone drown if he's also there, he could surely do so like I, I never understood how look, that scenario was supposed to work. I'll tell you something I don't understand, right? This quote Okay. So speaking about um this song's
3: Rapid Ascension in the music charts, Collins wrote the following in two thousand and seven, so he's looking back on it. Quote It was a surprise. The single came in at number 36. I did Top of the Pops with Dave Lee Travis. And in one of the down moments, he said... "Harry cornflake? He said, this record is going to be a top three. (laughs) (laughs) Phil Collins says, I didn't believe him because it had been made so haphazardly. But the next week, there it was at number three. And then Mark Chapman shot John Lennon and that was that. What? Oh my God,
4: Sorry. that is incredible. How, how, like, how out of context I is that last I sentence? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't see the... Co- we, we, the no, 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 no. There's the no way you can get context on that last sentence. There was no need for him to say that at all. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: We've uh, talked about his weird bitterness with towards the Beatles before. Go on. Do you remember the Paul McCartney thing where Phil Collins was at some function and he was chatting to Paul McCartney, who, who he knew, and... Phil Collins like whipped out a book for, or no, it must have been an album for Paul McCartney to sign. And he's like, would you Would you mind, Paul? It was like the two of them were, were, were worth their wives as well, right? So Paul was like, yeah, sure, yeah. And just did his <laughs> <laughs> kind of whatever. and he turned to like, I guess it was Heather Mills at the time, or it might have been Nancy, I can't remember. But uh and he just goes, I think little Phil's a bit of a fan. <laughs> <Right> <laughs> and Phil Collins was like, I was seething. How dare he even <laughs> before? <laughs> 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 <This is definitely laughs> that, that was the downfall <laughs> of Phil
4: Collins from the start. That led to his divorce. That led to everything. First of all, you're Phil Collins.
1: Why would you bring a record to like I don't know.
4: He's like he's a collector.
3: He likes to collect things. Yeah, that's my number three. I think it's a perfect song. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Um, it's okay. sorry, that was very no,
1: Fontano. Of, do you tell? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Tell yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hit the bell. Blah blah blah. Um, I think it works really well. Production. No, it's a great song. Yeah, I do like it. Um, the synths have that eerie thing. It is very much of the night. I Think the the eerie drum machines. He was a pioneer in that regard. And um, we can sag him about a lot of other stuff. I still hate Sue Studio. We all go into <laughs> it. That is a, a shining light, though, in the darkness. Nice. Now, my runner up, and I'm going from the heartlands. I'm going to follow you back to Merry Old England. Per my number two. In the cafe, I'm in the
2: corner.
1: The Cure, it's a lullaby. It's taken from Disintegration um, from 1989. What uh, album, by the way? Oh, one of my favourite. It might be in top five of all time. It's so good. And just, yeah, pure nighttime listening. It's a deep pool you just dive into. I was thinking, have we featured The Cure ever in a top five? I think they have been in a top five before. Oh, oh yeah. Adam's going to look man. now. I f- was forgetting that. But they must have it been. It feels like they could be included so often. They have to be. Such a humongous be. They band. have to be. Maybe not. Um, Lullaby was probably one of my first encounters with The Cure. It's their biggest ever song. It is was it? like a high. Well, it was their highest charting song. Probably like Friday I'm in Love or you would assume so. Love uh, Cats or if you something. Go to Spotify now, in terms of plays, th- those have kind of uh, crept above. But at the time, it got to like number five, I think, in the UK. Which is, it's such a weird song to get that high. Adam in the has the tally. Yeah, it's The Cure's third appearance in a third? top five. Okay, that's a oh, than I thought. Hi Craig. <laughs> 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 what have we picked for part, You know. Yeah, one moment, oh, sorry.
4: <laughs> yeah, that give you I can't believe work. I haven't made the Cure song.
3: That's
0: poor of you me. You picked
1: Friday I'm in Love. Oh, for days of the week songs, yeah. must have been. And I remember that top five. That could actually fit in Nighttime songs as a well. Forest. Oh, yeah, that was for Live, I think, maybe their acoustic rework of it. Yeah, There's a great been. acoustic rework of Lullaby as well, which just shows how kind of malleable their songs are and how brilliant. But I love this production. I love the violins, that pluck string thing. It's just, they have a weird a lot of their best kind of like melodies have a kind of music box quality to them where they're extremely simple and once you hear them, they kind of just like crawl across your skin and climb into your ear and then they're part of your DNA forever. And the first time seeing them, I I still don't quite know what the song's about. It's kind of a bit sexy, is it? It's a bit sexy. It's a bit sexy. You're kind of being consumed, just like shivering hairy holes and stuff. ASMR
4: Uh, before it was ASMR in parts, right?
1: Yeah, have we talked about this before? Where I think he was the I think the proponent (laughs) of the power pop. Yeah, he's the king of it. He is. He was the original Billy Eilish. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What a in terms of that thing she does so well with the hushed tones and actually a lot of the kind of darker subject matter. I think that's pure Robert Smith the more I think about it. He also did an interview every year in which he looked back on his previous interviews and, you know, how he aged. <laughs> yeah, I love that, yeah, yeah. And just the makeup changing year on year and the hair getting wilder. Yeah, that Bond theme. Yeah, yeah. The video for this was great as well. It was inspired by a razor head, apparently. David Lynch, shout out there. And just, yeah, indelibly scratched my brain. But disintegration is... A shimmering masterpiece. They've been talking for like 15 years about releasing something. They've had like an album good to go for the last 10 years and it just never seems to come. I don't know if I want it. I don't know.
3: Yeah, they got inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by Trent
1: Reznor. They, did Simon Gallup leave and come back? Wasn't there weird like posts on Facebook from him where he was just like, I can't put up with this, you know. <laughs> Maybe he wants the album out, but I think he's back. Yeah, I think he came back. Um, not long after he left like, I don't quite know the story there but, yeah. um, and you, you need him in The Cure it's not The Cure without Gallup um, I always say I'm constantly saying that it's he, just is, going to he, the he is, is the he is constantly he like, is constantly I
3: have to stop him sometimes I'm like yeah I know <laughs> Craig I know <laughs> I get the word out. Uh, for my number two we're going to stay in jolly old England <laughs> uh, and for a band that you would not call jolly um, this song was kind of teased as like their last ever single release but I don't think it was okay. and it was definitely not the last ever album though and it is a favourite Of a pair of lads who will never talk to each other again. It is what I alluded to earlier on, Dave picks a problematic <laughs> act, well at least one, one part of them What's anyway. It's Johnny Mardon. <laughs> it's the Smiths, everybody, and it's Last Night I Dreamt That Somebody Loved Me. Um, if you've somehow never heard this song before, I mean, the opening like two minutes or so is this kind of horror movie-esque kind of sound of... Uh, thick. Yeah, and, and it's taken from audio of like people, um, minors on strike against Thatcher in 1984-85 and... It just sounds like like something out of like, like it reminds me of East Hastings by Godspeed You Black Emperor as it was used in Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, it's like a portal to hell that opened up. And, it really you know, is <laughs> like it's genuinely frightening. And it builds and builds and builds. It gets gloomy, and then that big crash comes in there. And I, I even, uh, earlier on today, when I was walking back to the office from on my lunch break. Uh, even in like in pure fucking daytime, the sun was actually kind of out for a second. I was listening to this track, and it al- it did creep up on me. I know it's coming, but it crept up on me, and I actually almost jumped. I kind of shivered. I actually was like, "Fuck, whoa!" Yeah. But that kicking is huge and unbelievable. And like, look, listen, we all know Morrissey's a prick these days. No one's no one's looking to champion his his horrible date views and his awful behaviour. And thus, so hold
1: on a minute, Dave. picking this no. song, <laughs> no, picking this no, song no, may, may
3: in fact be, you know, a bad thing to do, but I'm sorry. This is one of the greatest songs ever written by anyone. It's unfucking fucking believable and it captures, you know, obviously it's about dreams and it's about classic fucking Morrissey, you know, like, you know, I dreamt I loved someone, but of course, in reality, it'll never happen. There isn't a chorus in the song. It's just verses after verses and it builds and it fucking explodes in an unbelievable way. Johnny Marr has said that it's the best thing they ever did. Yeah. I uh, said my favorite track at that time probably still is. Last time I met Morrissey, he said it was his favorite Smith song, and he might be right. Um, it's like
1: the one thing they agree on, and that album is like their shining moment. Strange ways Yeah,
3: yeah it's incredible. I mean, like fucking. I think Morrissey spoke about it as well, just saying kind of like this needed to come out. Like I mean, like like it, it's it's it was too strong a song. Um, you know, like like it was. Uh, he said, um, if there was a last opportunity to invade and infest the airwaves, I thought it should be done. And uh, for contrast, Andre 3000 of Outcast told yeah. MTV in 2003, I personally wish I would have written that Smith song, Last Night I Dreamt That Somebody Loved Me, Genius song. Um, it's a cavalcade of emotions. It's the Smiths at their very, very best. They have songs similar to this, of course. You know, you, you think immediately up there is a light that will never go out and various, various others. Yeah, I, but, was including I was nearly included in that. Which, again, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't hit them on. I have picked Morrissey before I did pick um, First of the Gang to Die because, again, it's incredible. Like, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, again, a part of me feels a little bit dirty for throwing him in here. But, like, this is truly an era-defining song. Yeah, It's a band-defining song. It speaks incredibly to the otherworldly nature of, you know, like, this is some ambulance in music. And it is devastating and, and and incredible and and full of joy and pain and hope and and despair and all of those things put together in such an incredible way. The music is just
1: terrifying. And Morrissey to give him his due, to give him his flowers, has he ever sounded better? Um, it's a tremendous vocal, yeah. And it it is that thing of like. He feels like a totally different person. Well, he is a different person now, but it's just everything the Smiths kind of represented and did in the mind of Johnny Marr. And it seems like Morrissey at the time. It's just like they were the kind of rallying cry for like the meek and the people and the downtrodden and the misunderstood. And it felt like they were going to be the band that was always on that side of things. So it's just that's so why, weird. It, way it feels Morrissey's like such gone. a betrayal. It's a betrayal, yeah, 100%, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll always have this kind of just this is still a positive thing that's out in the world and out of kind of Morrissey's control, I guess. Yeah, I picked, uh, didn't I have number one? Please, please, let me get what I want for short songs, I think. And yeah, we probably had, probably said the exact same thing. We're always <laughs> like, going to say it, yeah. because in fairness, I, I know
3: that even though, I know that there are people who listen to the show who have been like, I don't want to fucking hear any more Morrissey stuff, Smith stuff at all in any capacity, even a news story. And it's like, yeah, I get that, I do.
1: I totally respect that, but I'm, I, I, I couldn't not pick this song. Yeah, no, that's a fair shout. Um, okay, let's go fully wholesome for my number one. We're going back across the Atlantic <laughs> to America, a band from America, perhaps the greatest band from Oh, America. shit. <laughs> you, I thought I knew
3: you You, I cannot judge You, I thought you Underneath
1: my breath Night swimming Night Swimming Um, Soundtracking Dave telling me that Liverpool are losing there just to improve it even more (laughs) the best Orem song I think I've decided it's an absolute masterpiece it's Mike Mills at his best uh, with that piano that circular haunting piano part um that he apparently had in his kind of back pocket for a while, back in the late 80s, it didn't make out of time, and when it came to Automatic for the People, um, which is a record parent album of this song, um, Michael Stipe had this lyric fully formed, um, Night Swimming, which is just so, again, to use that, overuse that word evocative of, of, you know, them in Athens, Georgia, and kind of youthful abandon, Um It was one of the few times apparently that he had written a lyric before actually having the music in front of him. Their usual process was they would create a song, write it fully and he would take a tape of it and drive around and come up with a melody and lyrics Uh, but instead he presented this kind of song to the band. Peter Buck wrote um, some music to it which became Drive, I believe and then Mike Mills... um, was just like, I've got this thing on the piano that um is, I've been, you know, has been rambling around for a little bit. And he played it and Peter Buck was just like, well, that's it. <laughs> Fuck my contribution. He was like dumbfounded. It's pure magic. I've definitely mentioned on the show before the Jules Holland performance of this. Remind me. So it's Michael Stipe and Mike Mills, just the two of them doing it. And um on that last chorus, just as Michael Stipe ends it, he walks over to the piano where his old friend, Mike Mills, is playing that incredible, incredible piano thing. He just leans on the piano and gazes at his longtime friend. And it's just like, I've such admiration and love for you <laughs> as you do this incredible, creative thing. And it's uh, yeah, it gets me every time. It nearly made my songs that make Craig cry top five. But I can't remember why I didn't make it. I'll never know. I need to but, go yeah. back to that top five. Um, it was an emotional one, as you can imagine. Sequel, but, um, sequel coming for sure. Oh, um, yeah, man. I talk about that, like, that had to go in there because it's the best OREM song, but that's it. All right, guys? No it's more not, for it's me. Not the best best it's not the best OREM. It's
3: not the best OREM song. It is. It isn't. Go on. It's not my most beautiful. <laughs>
1: I do love that. My most beautiful, but it's maybe top twenty. Okay, uh, like, <laughs> <they're
3: laughs>
1: slapped down by the king, the king of Oi! Objecti- core. Objectively, we've re- you know there's Excel sheets out there. Um, might nah, my <laughs> Be- most beautiful. What a band! What a band!
3: No, it's okay. Look, listen, I mean, I think there's the, sometimes you just got to celebrate your favorites, and that brings me to my number one. Back
1: to Europe, we go. Okay, <laughs> well, hold on. Then we don't have a song that I was expecting you to pick. See, <laughs> I'm raging. I know because I thought you were going to pick, pick that song. Gone. What was it? So I didn't pick Night Call by Kavinsky. Well, I didn't pick that because I had it in phone call songs, but yes. you weren't on that episode. No, so I wasn't. We that I one.
3: thought you would have picked it here and it was between, I couldn't do it because I I, I, I found myself in kind of a bit of a selfish Choice situation and I thought you would have picked it. Uh, plus, it would have been a similar sentiment to The weekend one where, like, you know, you're strutting around Dublin in the hot press era, you know, with this song blaring through your ears. Well, I, I
1: thought you were going to pick a different song. Well, I might have. but well, it wasn't. It wasn't a European act. <laughs> what was the song? Tonight Tonight, Smashing Pumpkins. Have we picked that before? Oh, my God.
3: <laughs> I mean, how did I not think of this? It's in my, like, my, it's probably in like my top 10 songs, top five. Like, what the fuck, Dave. I must have it's picked one it of those ones. we've
1: discussed it before. I think we've discussed that album as like a night album or That's something. That's like, oh you know geez, I mean?
3: like this is dereliction of duty here. Uh, what the fuck? I, I, I didn't even it didn't even come to mind. Oh no. <laughs> this is painful. We've picked it, it, it before. No, we haven't picked it before. Oh <gasps> tonight tonight by Smash Pumpkins will feature in a top five at some point. Next yeah, w-
4: week on this- No
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: We could always just do a top five Smash Pumpkin song. Like when, when is it Billy Corgan's birthday? I mean like they are our Halloween episode will be so- top 5 songs by Halloween themed bands. Yeah, yeah, maybe. That'd be pretty cool. Um well, now I feel like a now I feel like a chump, uh, you
3: know?
4: Now I feel like a chump. I can tell you that the no, the last song is incredible. I'm hyped
1: now because if this well, see, is this is
3: the thing, right? I mean like let's park in smash pumpkins for a second and one of my favorite songs of all time that I didn't think of um literally in my top 10 songs of all time. What the fuck? So, here's an act that I've picked numerous times. And somehow I never picked this song. And you even called me out on this before. Oh, I'm excited now. You okay. were like, how the fuck have you not in this top five or it's never happened? And this is a real, like, you know, press era time. I remember writing about this or maybe Selena Murphy did. But I remember, I remember, like, you know, it, it coming up and like it was the song. Yeah. You know yeah, what it, know, is. it is. But yeah. like, so like, this, uh, I just, I don't know. It had uh, to be number one. It think to be, yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah, I just feel I have a really kind of interesting relationship with this one because I think it has somehow taken me a full 11 years to almost fully appreciate it because this was an act that was mine. They Like, I knew this and it was mine and it was blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden this thing comes out and it's fucking everywhere. And, I, and I, I loved it, of course. It's amazing. But I think I had a weird kind of love-hate relationship with it, maybe possibly. And going back to it, even in the last two days, I was like, yeah, no, no, you know what? It's pure joy. It's incredible. It's the moment when the night breaks and the sun bursts. Mm. And here it is.
4: I've
1: done a count. <laughs> well, before you do that, we're all just having a moment here. Uh, Can that, I just say, um, I'm sure the listener knows as well as we do, but there is an art to picking the thirty slash forty second clip. Yes, that is the perfect clip. I
3: <laughs> took <That> several. <laughs> I took several
1: attempts at trying to get trying to get all Something the builds.
3: Like yeah. Trying to get as much as I possibly could. It is M83. It is Midnight City. Mm. You've heard it before. It's their breakout track from 2011. M83 French. Uh, musician uh, Anthony Gonzalez used to be another guy with him called Nicola Fromageau Um, and yeah like a a band that I've been or an act that I've been obsessed with for a very long long time Uh, my good friend Adam my great friend Adam he put it must have been Don't Save Us From The Flames on a compilation CD he made for me back in 2004-2005 from there I got into them you know Before The Dawn Heals Us all the other records Uh, a, a beautiful beautiful incredible journey and almost Hurry Up, We're Dreaming, which is the album that this is taken from, in a weird way, changed the course of my love for this act in a strange way. I don't think they've been as good as they were before this. Um, There's been some bad records. Um, I still adore M83, one of the greatest live acts I've ever seen. Some of the best music I've ever heard. Let's get to that tally. I'm going to guess seven. Seven. Yeah, all by me? One by Craig. Oh, okay. Uh, There you go. What was it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So... If you want
4: music that genuinely, like, touches your soul... It was, um, it was Midnight City.
3: Did you pick
0: Midnight City? For what? When?
4: <laughs> oh, hang on a second. It could be six, because Craig had three f- number fives to swap out.
1: That's what it was. It didn't make it. Yeah.
4: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, six yeah, yeah. I've never played it. Yeah. So, this, yeah, this is
3: the debut of Midnight City on No Encore. Somehow. It's taken us this long. I can't quite believe it. Um, yeah, I mean, like... It was a weird thing to be a fan of this act, you know. I think people go through those moments uh, where, you know, you, you, you're you into a slightly obscure, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. not mainstream, whatever the fuck. It's yours, and then all of a sudden it's everyone else's. And, like, this song was everywhere. It was in the Olympics opening ceremony in 2012. It's the theme tune to fucking Chelsea. And... It's ended up in a Grand Theft Auto game. It's everywhere. Um... And I think I think there was a slight bit of pushback from me, even though, you know, I bought the album and I think it's great. It's a It's double album.
1: Um, it's kind of, to cut across, yeah, just like interesting. We're talking about Smashing Pumpkins. I always think of that as like their melancholy. Like there's a lot yeah. of parallels kind of sides of it. I can see the,
3: that, yeah, for sure. Thing.
1: But I think over the
3: course of the, also, I'm sorry, but how the fuck has it been 11 years that the song, the, yeah, I know. that's frightening to me. I, I actually can't quite, I can't quite, Except that um, I think this is one of the most joyous songs ever made I think it's, it's, it's pure harmony and joy and love and light which is ironic because you know Midnight City but you know that's the sci-fi kind of dystopia thing that he's trying to play with and you know he's gone a little bit too far down the rabbit hole for me in terms of musically where he's gone but I retain hope that he'll be great again someday much like the country America but yeah. essentially um,
1: <laughs> I, R.E.M. are from I think
3: you're such a a Uh, prick you're such an I'm trying trying to have like a a solemn moment a pointed moment here Uh, I love you but um, here's the thing right Uh, I think you can play the song for anybody any single yes, person in the world, yeah. I, I think, I, I think someone will get something from it. It does feel like a call to arms in a good way. Um, it's beautiful. It's 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 life affirming. It's it's joyous. It's positive. It's great. It's produced perfectly. It, it it knows when to do what it does. It's outrageous. How does it get away with that sax solo? How does that sax solo sound like the greatest thing you've ever heard in your entire life? It's the best song ever written. <laughs> no,
1: I'm it certainly felt like I'm glad you picked it because we I felt we did need something that represented that like. Um, Synth era of like a chromatics thing, you know. We talked about Nightcaller, and I think this was like almost the Zenit, wasn't it? This was like the kind of crossover. This is the sound of now, fucking driving through the city at night thing, yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe it was all downhill from there, but it's quite the ride, yeah.
3: I mean, you know, by the time he started dressing up like fucking Teen Wolf, I was like, I'm out,
1: <laughs> got a bit cutesy. I maintain there's some songs on junk. There aren't. You're right. <laughs> I would agree with Craig. I there, like yes. junk.
3: There's some good stuff on the Oblivion soundtrack and he did another one of those kind of like, you know, ambient works that's
1: Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah,
3: D V S two or something. And yeah. it's it's good. I don't know. I mean like I, I, I love M eighty three. If you ever get a chance to go see M eighty three live, it'll be one of the best gigs you'll ever see. And please go back if you've never listened to M eighty three apart from Midnight City, um, please please do that. Please listen to to more of them. Start with like start with before the dawn heals us. Maybe go Saturdays Equal Youth after that one. Um, you can't really go wrong. Pff, 2011 and before. It'll be great. Uh, but do also check out... I didn't pick a, uh, one last thing. I know it's like the longest podcast ever, but like we did live performances recently, did we? Yes. Yeah. One that I didn't pick was an M83 song. Because again, I was like, ah, I can't do it, it's too many. Um, there is an amazing version of... The title track Oblivion from the film Oblivion with Tom Cruise. Um, Suzanne Sunfor is the vocalist and they do a version on like Jimmy Kimmel or something, and it's like, you know, Sony branding everywhere, it's all bought in, you know, it's corporate yeah. thing. But it's really, really good and it gets across two of the best things about M83. One is Suzanne Sunfor in this guest performance and like how the vocals in, in in these tracks when they arrive can be like the most spellbinding things ever. She her vocal, her 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 lift, her elevation, and her crescendo at the end of it is Incredibly heart stopping and, and, and perfect, but also M83's drums, man. Fuck me, <laughs> that's why I want to play drums. It's just yeah. the best, it's fucking rules. So that's M83, everybody. And that's do, the top five do you songs. Phil
1: Collins uh, is a fan, I uh, think?
3: he should be, but he, yeah. he I, no, because he didn't write it and he's a bitter bastard, <laughs> does, so yeah. um, but not bitter at all. And uh, the, the you know, like it's like that Cohen quote, you know, but you know, like the the crack of light that's you know that's how
1: the light gets in yeah, yeah
3: there's, there's a crack in everything that's how, where the light gets in yeah. yeah and that crack the crack has ended now <laughs> is Sonic
1: Architect Adam because he's Are our you light you him a crack? no I'm him a light oh oh no. we're we're the cracked things that yeah, we're broken. Adam's light shine through the light that shines through the focus <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd a a to clarify that early doors. We doors
3: we, we own the night
1: he is the light beautiful
4: and I think Sarah another nine owns the night currently he doesn't yeah. quiz
1: does he no he doesn't <laughs> yeah criticise yeah.
3: Do criticise me criticise my quiz will you <laughs> uh, thanks very oh, much for letting you
1: know, me have a, have
4: a mic this week as well I will not next week I will go back to my dulcet tones in the background let you which have I a mic think, <laughs> which I think I don't know I like being in the background a little bit more I think it just sounds like I, I want to be more of like a phantom person okay You You can be the Phantom. Yeah, and I will. Sonic Phantom. Will there
3: be a costume? Mm, probably not it's radio okay, know, it's, yeah. it's radio <laughs> forget it right forget it Craig it's radio right a very long episode thanks for listening and if you love the show please tell a friend tell an enemy I don't care um, and if you like the show a lot like a real a real lot I know we haven't been good at bonus content lately but it's really all we can do we're at capacity but you know independent venture keep lights on all the kind of jazz if you love the show love the show love the show it's patreon.com slash no encore if you want to help us out but of course as Craig did know earlier on uh, it's going to be hard to pay bills coming forward so I guess it. You know it's fine. I yeah.
4: want to just jump in really quick because I meant to say it, my lecture picnic thing and I didn't. But if uh, a listener of the show and I didn't get his name, it was him and his girlfriend were walking by my trolley at electric picnic and they saw my name in the thing and they said they're big fans of No Encore. So if you're listening, thank you for saying hi. I was so stressed <laughs> but it was really, really nice to to get that. It was oh, a lovely. lovely lift for the weekend. So um whoever the listener is that said hello, thank you very, and very I much. I should
3: I should add that aforementioned uh, controversial quiz participant, Noller9, did say that when he went down to picnic at the weekend he said, bumped into Adam earlier on and I said, Well surely the highlight of any man's weekend, you know? Like I mean I'd imagine that much like making our lives better Adam Anyone who does, in fact, find themselves in your loving glow. <laughs> feels lucky, a, very lookable. Feels indeed, a bit yeah. better. Right, we're all <laughs> off to listen to Oriam. E. My name is Dave Hanradi. this has been No Encore. There will be no Encore goodbye.